Hey, I'm Mark Morrison, and we're back. We're return of, returning of the Max. Return of the Max. <laughs> I like that reference. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't made a podcast in quite some time. You knew that we'd be back. I'm Mark Morrison. No one can keep us down. In a world where laughter was king on the edge of space. Ludicrous speed! Go! You get together, have a few laughs. Masters of the universe! I'm Ron Avis. I'm Adam Peterson. And welcome back to the Cinemasters of the Universe. I think you should. I think you should have that music there. I might. I might just do that. All right. Well, yeah. Welcome back. We um we are in our. We're not counting the episodes, but we're still under ten. This is our fourth season. Fourth season, fifth episode. Yes. <laughs> That's, we're just really bad about uh, the consistency of the uploads of the show. We apologize. But and I don't know numbers. Yeah, I and I don't understand what a season means. Nope. <laughs> Apparently. But we we welcome you back, Mitch. Especially you, Mitch. Uh, and I, I understand you've probably been lost just driving around searching for the the latest episode. He doesn't really understand how podcasts work. No, he doesn't know. He doesn't understand how a lot of things work. But we <laughs> love him anyway. Oh God, bless you, Mitch. Our number one fan, Mitchell. He's a hell of a guy. He is a hell of a guy. Uh, but if you remember, we ended our last episode with stuck uh, in quicksand, suspended <laughs> <laughs> in midair. We we ended our last episode with our edition of Rad Dads. Excellent. And what we said we were going to do was I was going to do Indiana Jones. I was very excited about that. And you were going to do Clockwork Orange. No. Um, <laughs> what was a uh, the children to... need to see all yes. of the Kubricks. Ultra okay? violence. All of the Kubricks. Uh, Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Much better. Yes. There's just some uh, incestual things happening there, but but not, not violence. Nope. No, no violence. violence. Uh, but some there, violence. There was a bit of a change of plans though for for mine. Um, so I was gonna have I, I was getting Indiana Jones set with the fam, you know, because we kind of watch them together. We did with Beetlejuice, and we, you know, it's just a fun time for the it's a fam event. to get together. Yeah. And uh, she said no to Indiana Jones. She said she, no to Doctor Jones. She she blocked me, and uh, I said why. And uh, she referenced the, uh, the 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 scene where they open the uh, arc. The face melting. The face melting. She 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 felt that that might be a little too intense for uh, Logan. And a, and oddly enough, she didn't think that it would bother Allison, but <laughs> she was pretty sure that it could upset Logan. And I was like, really? It's like Pee Wee's Playhouse claymation you know yeah. level it's it, it doesn't look real i don't even though think it looked all that real back in 1981 no. or whatever when they first did it 1942 so we did a course correction we changed it up and we picked another movie for rad dads and um right, should i go first since go i already kind of like leaned into do this. it man do it yeah so we, we decided to go with uh 1989's the wizard great film with Fred Savage, Christian Slater, and Bo Bridges. Bo Bridges. And Nintendo. And Nintendo. <laughs> Especially starring A Nintendo. A lot of Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
with Logan being a, a big gamer, he's he's well into uh, his fandom of gaming. He uh, he loves Nintendo, and uh, he's played some of the classics. So uh, I uh, I thought, well, you know what? I'm gonna give this movie a try. I just I just bought it off uh, eBay, and uh, it's like let's let's do this, and uh, it went over really well. Uh, Logan loved it. Um, Allison enjoyed it. Laura even really liked it. She was surprised, and you know, like just for me, it's great just to see all those old games like Double Dragon, and it was it was really cool to see the scene where uh, you know they're in the hotel in Reno and they're kind of prepping for the tournament because they don't know what games are going to be played, so they're just trying to get good at every game. Yes, and so they're calling up the Nintendo Power Hotline, which was a thing back in the day. You could call them pre-internet days. You you could call a person. And they would talk you through uh, sections of games that you couldn't get past. And I love that. I love the thought of that. Like 900 numbers were like a huge deal back in like the 80s, really. I mean, you, yes. you could call and talk to like Freddy Krueger for a few minutes. Yep. You could call and, you know, not, not really talk to him. He would just be some sort of pre-pro, like pre-recorded message. And uh, it'd always be like, you know, tell your parents, like, you know, not, like $2.95 the first minute, $800 each additional yes. minute, more or less. And uh, they were all like, I never actually was tempted to call one. Um, you could even speak to Santa Claus, things like that. Of course. But but I always did actually kind of want to call like the Nintendo Power Hotline. It just seemed like a really cool thing. And, I, and I'm imagining in my head, and you finally get to see what it, like one of those offices. I don't know if that's actually what the offices look like, but they're just like little cubicles. In your, in your head, they you can know? be whatever you want it to be. Like we have at work at the paper company. <clears throat> at the paper company. Yeah. Nondescript. <laughs> Paper company. Not Dunder Mifflin, if that's what you're thinking. Mm, not Wernham Hogg, if you're a BBC fan. <laughs> Ooh, is that what they were called? Um, but yeah, so I, you know, just seeing that. The Power Glove, my God. The Power Glove. And it's cool, too, because there was, a, I had a little bit of context pre the movie. Logan and I went to the uh, Louisville Arcade Expo, and they actually had a guy with the Power Glove for sale. And uh, it was in pristine condition. How much was it? Um, I didn't even look, because I knew it was going to be more than I was going to be willing to pay. Um, if it had been $50, I would have bought it there on the spot. <clears throat> you know, I, truth, truth be told, even having watched that movie, I don't know that I totally understood how the power glove worked. So I had the power glove. I didn't have the power glove. And, uh, if, if you listen to, uh, power. <laughs> you weren't that bad. No, no, the, the power glove is one of the first true examples of me getting disappointed over something that seemed really awesome in commercials. <laughs> Uh, and watching The Wizard, because you believe that by putting on this power glove, you're moving your character in such a way. Like, they they, they display it using Rad, uh, Rad Racer. And he's he's yeah. kind of doing like this, and you're like, that's totally believable. But that's not really how the, the power glove works. So there, it comes with two sensor bars that you got to, like, Velcro to your TV. And you have to go in and program in a bunch of stuff to where, it, you know, if you do, like a le like, one of these... That would be like the left controller. Okay. So it it's not fluid. You're just, you know, like. But he's like, mm, like no, that's not it. And trying to play it with anything that's not a racing game too is just like, why would you do it? What I basically did was it actually would have a functional NES controller yeah. on on it. I would just <clears> play like that, and I was like, this is stupid. Like I'm just gonna take this back. I'm playing this worse. I'm playing this worse. I look badass. I used to play this with two hands. Yeah. Now I'm playing it with one. That's the thing. I wasn't actually wearing it. I would hold it like a hand. I'm holding a hand. 
gonna picture it that way. <laughs> I have a severed human hand. I have a I'm severed like, human hand. Like I'm video. playing, yeah. <clears throat> or or RoboCop's hand is probably more like what I imagined. Like I have taken RoboCop's hand and I'm playing the NES with it, which is pretty cool. And I'm, I probably should have kept it if I just could have convinced all my other friends. But yeah, that was like it was like a big present for me, like a birthday present, and I was so disappointed. It's like this is crap. I was not that disappointed since I learned that the car show didn't actually have RoboCop, but yet a guy doing like Robo moves in like gray sweatpants. <laughs> I think every car show has that, even yeah. if they don't advertise. That RoboCop's gonna be. I think there's just a guy in sweatpants. Well, yeah, but so. they would show like a still <clears throat> image of RoboCop, and like, then they wouldn't even have the balls to say RoboCop. I'm like, it should be like guy dressed as RoboCop poorly in <laughs> like parentheses. That's Gary. He lives at the end of my street. He doesn't have a job. <laughs> Not RoboCop. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Power Glove way cooler in the movie, uh, but Logan had seen seen that and i've kind of talked to him about it now it's it's one of those things where like eventually i probably will buy one and, and display it somewhere in my head. like a, like an infinity gauntlet put it in a space oh space. god yes it's just like the nes infinity gauntlet so wonderful um but you know everybody en- enjoyed the movie i believe i was a rad dad for that excellent and um you know i i still want to show him indiana jones i just gotta wait a little bit longer i guess or just don't tell your wife. <laughs> she, she, doesn't, she doesn't watch this. We totally could have done that. But, <clears throat> you know, try to be a good husband, not a liar. <laughs> I would have been a liar. <laughs> Come on, we're going to watch Deadpool, kids. <laughs> All I right. Mean, so... <laughs> I mean, Care Bears. Care... <laughs> we're going to watch Care Bears. <laughs> put the, put the, the Deadpool disc inside the Care Bears case. Hit we it. got it right here. Hit it, Dolly. So, what was uh, your experience like with the kiddos in Back to the Future? <clears throat> we we I, I turned on Back to the Future. The, in trying to, um, even in, when we were selecting this, I think I told you this before. I was originally going to go. I had a couple different selections, and I was going to try and um, show trailers. My kids love watching trailers. Yeah, they're cool. big on trailers. Nice. Um, and because uh, I could show them trailers of movies that they can't necessarily go see, they can watch a trailer, but they couldn't go see the movie. So I was like, all right, I'll show them trailers. And I, the first one I showed him was Back to the Future, and it was one from like way. It would have, it seemed like it was a teaser. Didn't really show you anything from the movie, which is all these kind of like these close-up shots of like Marty McFly walking or like his vest, iconic mm-hmm. pieces of, of yeah. the movie that you would recognize now. But it was it didn't really give any information on the movie. So I was like, okay, well, I, what's I, with the light preserver? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, so I was leaning in the direction of wanting to watch Back to the Future, anyways. Yeah. But I was like, well, this trailer didn't really sell anybody on it, so I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to watch Back to the Future. So we go into it, and uh, Tucker, who's four, is everything is a question. Mm. Um, everything is a question. Everything is a question. And um, it's like not like a really thoughtful question. No. You can, it's it's just like why? Yeah. Why is this a thing? It's like who's that guy in the green shirt? It's like it's just a guy. Why? <laughs> Because he's an Why extra. is he just a guy? <laughs> What's an extra? Oh my gosh! This is... Yeah. So, it, but one. So one of the things that I did successfully do, in my estimation, um, was I explained linear time travel to both of my uh, children at ages four and six. Easy in, concept. <clears throat> totally wrapped their minds around it. Made it, it was easy, easy, easy sell. One of the things that they they really enjoyed because um, uh, we watch uh, a lot of newfound glory uh, music videos. 
and they just come out with the song "The Power of Love." They yeah, did a cover of it. Excited about that. I was super stoked about it. Yep. And so they had watched the, the video of that. And so when we turn on Back to the Future and they start seeing some of those same elements, we're like, "This is like the song." I was like, "Yes, that's where the song comes from." They're like, mm. so they were totally into it from that. It was like, "You should be into this because it's an awesome movie." But okay, yeah. If we got an in, we're good. So I had to do a lot of pausing and explaining of why things were happening and trying I can to see that. trying to do it in a way that made sense to a four and a six year old. But did the, you have a chalkboard when you did the linear time? I, I had one of those flip chalkboards. <laughs> that, <clears throat> you could go back and forth. You just erase one of your yeah. complicated equations. I just I have one of those just because there's so many things you can use a chalkboard for these days. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I don't hate chalk at all. I've been trying to capture Matt Damon with one of those for you years. I Years. just have a net, and that has not worked. <laughs> he has eluded my net on far too many occasions. Your tiny net. I just have a small... Just, it would just cover the a, head. It's an inappropriate net for catching Matt Damon anyways, but I use it because I'm too lazy to find something larger. Yeah, as you do. <clears throat> but the, it went over very well with both my children. They enjoyed... I, I, I'm anticipating the second... I showed them trailers for the second and third one because they were a little more... Here's what the movie's like. Oh, yeah. Now so they, 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 they like the flying cars in the second one. And then um, they didn't just automatically question, well, why are there cowboys in the third one? It's like, okay, good. Because I would quit. I was like, why are there cowboys in the third one? <laughs> yeah. So they've seen all three? They have not seen two and three yet. Oh, okay. okay. I've okay. Saved, they just saw the Yes. They, we watched the trailers because I, I wanted to make sure that they enjoyed it. But they, yeah, they definitively enjoyed it. Not as much as Space Jam, because we still watch that like eight times a week. But... It has cartoons in it. They're playing basketball. Yes. It's hard to compete with that. It's Bugs Bunny. For it, is. it is. Um, so they, they since one to seemingly ends on a cliffhanger, they just weren't like, yeah. oh, i got to see the second one. And you're like, good. You you got, you got kids didn't even have to wait five years for the no. sequel. No, it's like, it's here just now. pop it in. We yeah. could go straight into it right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. And I have I have the animated series on DVD as well. So oh yes, it comes um, with that, right? Yes, that's a great deal. Yes. And I'm I'm upset about that because that's a recent thing that yes. I believe they packaged. I have the Blu-ray set of all the movies, but I didn't get the cartoon. And there's a couple of seasons of that, right? Yeah, it was a fun cartoon. It I remember was. it. It was totally good. I enjoyed it. And, and it's for you know presumably for kids, but adults can enjoy it too. I watch a lot of cartoons. <laughs> I do too. Under the guise that I'm doing it with my children. But and I would do it even if I didn't have kids. I do it when my kids aren't around. I watch them when they're asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just watching this cartoon because I have kids. Don't you judge me, Danny. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you were a rad dad for that I was one? a rad dad. Excellent! Good job. All right, so uh, I guess then uh, we're just going to jump right into the main event. We're going to dive in head first. Welcome to the main event. That's Michael Buffer. <laughs> so for the main event this episode, we're going to be doing our favorite year. Let's get ready to rumble! In my corner, I'm going to be doing 1986. And I'm doing 1988. Now we have to jam out. This is the Jock Jams Mega Mix, isn't it? <laughs> Enough of that before we get to I know that whole song. <laughs> I can sit here and sing the whole song with it. Who couldn't? It's good stuff. All right. So, uh, yeah. So how this is going to work is we each picked a year that was our favorite year, obviously, duh, in movies. And it's very hard to do. Yes. I think ultimately for me, 1986, it came down to nostalgia, obviously. Uh, big, big, you know, nostalgia nut uh, clearly, I do another podcast. It's just almost entirely nostalgia. 
Um, but 90, 1986 movies released that year. I, here's what I think it might be too. It seems like we just got cable for like HBO in our house for the first time around 87. So a lot of those movies were like just starting to play regularly on cable. And sometimes when you're young, you see a movie that's, you know, it's not necessarily good, but you've seen it a million times. So you just have lots of fond memories and you're just a kid. So you're just happy to see a movie. Yes. It doesn't you know, always have to be good. So keep that in mind when I list some of these, you know, th- this is just purely candy. Like some of these are, I would argue, are great movies. Um, but, you know, there are a handful in here that only probably like an eight or nine year old would truly love. Some, some of these, admittedly, I didn't watch when in the year they came out. Yeah. Because I was five. Yeah. Um, and several of these would have uh, exceeded the rating limit for mm, me yes, at age five. Yes. Um, but uh, I still enjoy them tremendously to this day. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll echo that. Like I, you know, a good number of these movies I didn't see in 86. I saw in like 80, 87, 88, 89 maybe even in some cases. Uh, but they're, all of these are movies that are a big influence in my, you know, Tastes and movies, foundational elements. I I'll still I could st- I'll defend every one of these. I don't care. They're all they're all to, st- the to me still bitter end. end to the bitter end. So what we'll do is we'll we'll just kind of list a movie. We have ten apiece, and we'll just kind of briefly talk about it's it. A casual conversation. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not just gonna go like beat for beat on every movie and review it or anything. Um, but we're we're we got to try and at least defend why we picked this year. And each of us it was it was hard. It was hard. I had other years that movies that were competing. Yeah. What were some of the other years that you had thought about? I had I had a ninety, ninety two, and ninety five. Mm-hmm. Those were. I mean, The Mighty Ducks was a mm. nineteen ninety two movie that mm. was very formative for me. Oh yeah. Home Alone in nineteen ninety. <sighs> ninety was one of the years that I TMNT. with. That was that was another nineteen ninety. 90 was a, a year that I almost picked because I feel like that's the first year that I was regularly going to the movies. So like 90, 91, I, around that time I was routinely looking at the magazines, paying attention to critics, yep. uh, and, and, and anticipating movies coming out, not just watching the movie because it's on TV. I was actually anticipating, and that was really hard. I, I had to go with 86, though, because some of these movies are just timidal. Yeah. Like seminal movies for me, you know, it's who I am. Great part of that. So, uh, Adam, why don't you go ahead and start off with one of your picks from 1988? All right. And these are in no particular order. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with 1988. The first first one for me, um, big. Yes, big. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> I did not see big in theaters, but I had an opportunity. You know what movie I chose to watch instead of big? Hmm. <sighs> There's a lot of things I'd love to guess, but I, I, I won't. Okay, what did you, what did you see? <laughs> I saw Crocodile Dundee 2. Uh, and I remember so that was very a solid well. film. It was fine. I loved Everybody loved Paul Cro- Hogan the first was still Crocodile. wildly popular. Yeah, and I, and I like that movie and watch it whenever I see it on. And uh, But I remember that, Rambo 3, and yep. Big were like all, they were all the big movies that released that week. And, um, but Big, yeah, I mean, what can you say about that? It's, it's Tom Hanks's. I mean, he'd been in big movies before, like you know, Splash and and Bachelor Party, one red shoe. and Bachelor Party. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But Big was um, is it a Penny Marshall movie? Yes. Yeah, that that's when he first I think hooked up with Penny Marshall. Of course, went on to do movies like A League of Their Own and 
you know, maybe there was maybe that was the two movies that they're known for. But it, it was a good pairing. The two very good pairing, yeah. Um, and uh, that that was a that was a movie that that was the king of like all. I don't want to say trading places, because but there there were movies around that time that Vice versa. seemed to feature uh, kids being transported into like adults' bodies. Or like vice versa. There were there were a handful. There was like one with uh, Dudley, Dudley Moore and Kirk and Cameron, Kirk Cameron, and uh, never. I don't even think I ever saw that one. But I saw vice versa a million times. But Big was kind of I feel like the first. Yeah. And what what was the name of that uh, uh, like machine that you Zoltar? Put, Zoltar, yes. I've seen those Zoltar yep. machines different, like usually like boardwalk type places, and I always stop and take a picture of it. Always, it was it was uh, one of, one of the things about it for me that was really particularly excellent was it's one of the two that I specifically remember. But uh, my mom, uh, like we, she and I would go out to Burger King. That was like it was the treat. Like I'd get to, I'd get a Whopper because mm-hmm. it was little kids. So Whopper, it was like oh, I'm like a I'm like a I'm a big boy. I'm a big boy. <laughs> I'm like a real person right now. So it was just the two of us. She and I would go. And so I'd go to that. Uh, we had that for dinner. And then we went to go see Big. And so uh, it was, and it was just such a, it was such a, um, one of those things of like it stuck with me for years and years and years. What was great was this last year, because um, it came out in 1988. So the 30th anniversary was 2018. Oh, yeah. So um, uh, what's it called? Uh, F- uh, Fathom Events. Oh yeah, where they'll they'll take <clears throat> classic movies yep. for like one night only. So Big was back in theaters mm. for the thirtieth anniversary. So I took my mom to Burger King and we went to go see Big. You recreated that night. I did. Oh that was and it was a ton of fun. It was it was one of those. It was, that's so cool. It was cool. It was like okay, thirty years ago. This is because honestly, that's probably one of the most vivid memories I have of going to see a movie in theaters. Heck yeah, man. I was Because I was five, and so I was like, okay, going to see Big with my mom when I was five. Was this in um, Iowa? This was in uh, Janesville, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, okay. Janesville, Wisconsin. Janesville, Wisconsin. And where's that near? Uh, it's in between Madison and Milwaukee. Okay, cool. So, well, one theater town? Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah okay. I think it was over, it was either in the mall or by the mall. So you didn't have any temptation to like fly out to that particular theater? No, there would. I don't even know if it's still in existence. I haven't been back to Wisconsin. <laughs> They've been playing like, the same version guys, like every day. Are you guys playing big at the theater where I went to when I was five? Uh, no. Sir, this is a subway. <laughs> this is a big loss. Sorry. Yeah, we don't do that. Oh, no, that that's a really cool memory. That and, was. Uh, I I don't know of any. I I don't think I have any sort of parallel story that I could share with my mom, but that's, that's really, that's an adorable story. I'm an adorable guy. <laughs> I'm a lovable scamp. What can You're I say? Lovable scamp. Uh, anything else? Okay. No, just to, it's great. It's, it was, it was funny as, as a five-year-old, there was a lot of stuff that would have gone over my head that as a 35 year old, I did not. <laughs> I was thinking about it as like me as a five-year-old with my mom in the theater. It's like, Oh, this probably would have been awkward. I really love that kid that was like his friend. Oh yeah, he he just seemed like he was just like you know standard issue '80s best friend kid. You know he had like the red kind of like bit a bit mullety in the back yes. and spiky on top. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He was in that as well. Was he in that? Yeah, I really enjoyed that kid. And um, one of my favorite scenes is when he gets paid. Yes, and, uh, and he's like a hundred dollars, 
And I think it was, uh, who was it? Uh, SNL alum who goes, yeah, they really screw you. John Lovitz. John Lovitz, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that scene always was great. And then what do they do? They just blow it on they like. blow it on stupid stuff. <laughs> the dumbest stuff. Like and Oreos, silly silly string. string. Yeah. <laughs> that is such a kid thing to do and they nailed that. It was fantastic. Good, good, good job, man. Well done. First good movie. Um, for myself, I kind of did list these in order of importance. Okay. Um, I didn't, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but for me, the king of the heap, well, and because of that, maybe I'll go in reverse order. Okay. okay. So least important to me, but all, but still very important to me. Uh, the first one I chose was the Transformers movie. Um, Stan Bush. Stan Bush, you got the touch. Excellent cameo in the Bumblebee movie. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the Transformers movie, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge Transformers fan. You know, you guys can't see this, but in my office, I've got, like, Transformers all over the place, specifically the G1. You know, I got a ton of them just still in the box over there. So, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer. And I list this movie even though it's it was one of the first instances in my life that I actually cried seeing because of the Optimus Prime thing. Many, many other kids did it. So many kids, in fact, that they rewrote the scene in the G.I. Joe movie to not kill Duke, put him in a coma because they, kids could not handle the death of their... And why would they think that that's okay? It's terrible. Just to, just to introduce new toys to see. Yeah. Like, let's traumatize children and make money off them. Yeah, and I'm sure like execs were like they're robots. It's like no, I'm sorry, it's it's not going to cut it because you made them like people. You made us love them. You made us love Optimus Prime. And then you Peter Cullen, God love him, is still making me love him to this it. day, even in the Bumblebee movie, he's still doing the voices. Um, but sadly, I did not get a chance to see this in movie theaters. I we were transitioning houses. We were we were moving. We moved to a very small town that did not even have a movie theater. Believe it or not. And uh, the closest theater was like an hour away. So, you know, I, I just didn't get to see it until like a year or so later. That's rough, man. It was rough. And, you know, it was a bomb anyway, and I don't think it lasted long in the movies. I don't know why it was a bomb. I, I guess just because it was just one year too late, Transformers. And uh, maybe word was getting out, even though there was no internet, no fast word of mouth. Uh, I'm sure parents at least were, were aware that maybe they weren't. I don't know. Parents I, can be stupid sometimes. They can't be stupid. And you just think it's a dumb... Like, you're being drugged to this kid's movie anyway. I can't parent. I'm not researching robots. whether or not this cartoon is going to traumatize my kid. Um, but, you know, it kind of did. And I just still can't handle... Like, they 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 insist on teasing killing Optimus and, like, almost every damn thing nowadays. And why would you? I don't know. And I, I, I become that little kid who was just so saddened. It's like, don't do that to me. But the movie was beautiful. The music was great. Uh, you know, the new characters are fine. Uh, you know, I just love it, man. It's If you haven't seen the Transformers movie, and you only know the Transformers from the Michael Bay movies... Do yourself uh, a favor. Yeah, do yourself a favor and get it. There's, like, beautiful transfers on Blu-ray. You can get, like, 20th anniversary editions. 25th anniversary. Oh, God, what's, it's been 30 three years now since it came. Maybe it was 30th anniversary editions, but you get me to like really good versions of the movie. I have it on Blu-ray and uh, I, I may do a rad dance with that someday. I could see that. Yeah. 
That'd be a good call. And I haven't seen it in a long time, too. Like, you actually saw it at one of those Fathom events, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, cool. I I wish uh, Nick and I, it was on our radar, but, you know, conflicts of schedule, like, we just couldn't make it. What, what's your next movie? 1988. Oh, 1988. Let's see here. I'm going to I'm gonna go. Actually, I'll just go right here. It's the next one on the list. And it is uh, one you just did for Rad Dads, Beetlejuice. Mm, good pick. Good pick. Uh, my kids loved it. It was, it was such, it was one of those movies because as a, as a kid, it kind of, it, it teeters on that edge of um, almost kind of a, a scary movie. It's not. But it, yeah. kinda, it teeters on that edge where, like, you know, you, you almost feel like you give yourself a little extra street cred. He's like, yeah, I was watching <laughs> Beetlejuice. That's right. Yeah, I, when I was re-watching it with the kids, I was remembering it a few minutes ahead at a time because I'd seen it so many times. Yep. But I hadn't watched it in years. So I was a bit careless. I sh- you know, maybe I should have rewatched it and go, oh, gosh, yeah. Maybe the scene where all the bugs and tentacles and crap coming out of his face, like, they don't show it. But it's startling, and also the the snake scene. Yep. And the scene where, like, you know, the they get old and they feel. I mean, it's, they start it's, falling apart. Yep. Yeah, and, and then especially all of the hints and references to suicide. Um, it can be a tough watch with your young kid, but thankfully, I think they just took it at surface value, and it's yeah. You know, uh, Beetlejuice is very funny and fast talking, and Michael Keaton is just the best. It's probably He's, the. He really was. Yeah. I mean, he just, he absolutely nailed that character. He and Tim Burton had a really good thing going there. Yeah. And this is probably without realizing it, where I, the name Tim Burton started to mean something yeah. to me. And, because uh, even though he had done the Pee Wee Herman movie, um, I just, it, then none of that would have landed with me no. at the time. So, yeah, Beetlejuice, I obviously, I mean, I have, I own it, I love it, uh, watched it so many times. Good cartoon too. I, that, and I think I think that's where a lot of the residual for me came in. Yeah, I have that cartoon on DVD as well, and it's and very different, really. It, it, oh, tremendously! But it's it's it. I think what it did is it. Um, you know, as a kid, especially if you just rented the movie, you get like that one viewing in mm-hmm. for you know, like oh, we're renting this this weekend, watch yeah. it. Maybe you get two in, you squeeze the Saturday. Sure, sure, sure. But then then it's gone. And unless you own it, which was not a big thing. For not a thing. Kid, yeah, that, no. that would have cost you over $100. Yeah, it was like, that was not a thing when you were a kid. So the, you know, that residual energy came a lot from the cartoon. So even, you know, you, I had no continuous frame of reference for the film, just the love for that character because the cartoon continued on well beyond. So I enjoyed it tremendously. Plus, Robert Goulet was in the movie. And... You know, why, oh, would you, right. why would you not love Robert Goulet? <laughs> yeah, he was at the dinner he the was. dinner scene. Oh, my God. He was right. Maxie. <laughs> oh, but they love that scene. The Deo scene around the oh. oh, my gosh. That is a classic. Uh, it's funny how they really played up the friendship between Lydia and Beetlejuice yes. in the cartoon. Whereas in the movie, there there's no, no interaction no. at all. And in fact, the only time she's even near him is she's got, like, her mouth bolted closed. She, yes. Like, she's Trying pretty to much... force her into marriage. Yeah. <laughs> But they had to make the cartoon somehow, and that and it worked out great. They did. They did a good job. Um, good movie, man. Yes. Great movie. Okay, and I would have for sure picked that one if I had done 1988. I figured it was Absolutely. Much. Okay, so my second movie from 1986 is a movie that means so much to me. 
um, Stand By Me. The short story, the, the Stephen King Stephen short King. story that's pre- actually pretty faithful to the short story. Uh, featuring, obviously, at the time, the, the biggest and brightest uh, young actors that there were. That were River Phoenix. Um, and you had uh, Will, Wheaton. Will Wheaton. And, uh, of Jerry course, O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Uh, then you, and then for the, the older kids, you had uh, Kiefer Sutherland, yep. and then uh, and then in a role that I just adore, John Cusack is the dead older brother who they only show you in flashbacks. Yep. But he his character really resonated with the younger brother. Um, uh, what was his name? I can't, uh, can't remember the character's names now. It's, yeah, it's so, been a minute since I actually watched it. So there's Gordy. Was it, it was Gordy? Yeah, Gordo. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, so they're two completely different kids. I was more of the Will Wheaton Shire kid. And, you know, like my older brother was more outgoing, more popular, you know, the athletic kid. And, you know, and he really took a liking to Gordy. Showed he gave him attention that his parents never gave him. Uh, but more than anything, it's the, the relationship between the friends. Yeah. I mean, I could see myself every time me and my friends will go out on little adventures. Uh, and I, I grew up in an area that was very heavily wooded. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're, and I, I grew up in another place, not the same place as the wooded place, but there were train tracks. And I remember walking train tracks a lot, you know, because they would kind of lead you to places that you wanted to go. There was like a convenience store. You'd walk tracks. And uh, it actually was through wood. So, you know, they're, they're walking down the train tracks and they're singing the songs, did the same thing. Uh, we never train dodged, thankfully, but uh, the scene on the tresses yep. is iconic. I love the way they shot that movie, too, because when you um, look at it, it really looks like he's on top of Vern yeah. as he's running. And, you know, all the kids are uh, like, you know, just it looks right on top. But that was a forced perspective shot like that train really was there, but it was way far. Yeah, back. but it was a great shot, a beautiful shot. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those movies that just kind of. It's the end of ch- like childhood. That's the whole point of movies. Like kind of the end of childhood innocence. Transitional you're, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, you're, you're becoming like, you know, you're looked upon as more of a young adult. And uh, the tragic relationship between uh, Will Wheaton's character and River Phoenix. And it's even magnified more that River Phoenix died yeah. in a very tragic way, too. Too young. Makes it a little harder to watch. Yeah. Um, Oh, and a, a shout out to uh, Richard Dreyfus as the narrator, um, who I mean, his role was you know, you know, very important as well. Now that you mentioned, I don't think I ever necessarily stopped and thought about that. Well, he's in the final scene too. Yeah. And, you know, he, you know, he's he he re- comes to the end of the book and he goes out and he plays with his kids. But yeah. It's very undeniably Richard Dreyfus yep. doing the narrating, and uh, you know, like chopper stick balls, like you know, he's it's it was very key to the movie. Uh, just so many iconic scenes. Like, there's not a wasted minute in that movie. The uh, uh, I love that uh, the story that tells about the the kid at the pie eating contest. Lardass. Yep, <laughs> it's a classic scene. It's great. But um, all of those kids are so different. Yeah. But they they there's love and uh, affection for one another. And it was it, that was one of the things. Like when you watch a movie like that, and you have those groups of kids that are just like everybody can kind of like latch on to one of the kids. It's nice because it gives it gives that that entrance for everybody to have access to. That's a good point. Yeah, and it's yeah. like it, it's not exclusive. Which kid were you? <clears throat> and uh, I, I honestly, I was probably more Vern. I was the husky kid. <laughs> Who wasn't the necessarily the quickest wit? 
uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, but another thing too is you you can see yourself in all the characters too. Yep. But um, the hardest, the one you feel bad for even more than any of the other ones, I think, was Corey Feldman. I think that's Corey Feldman's best work in any movie. He he's so it's such a raw and emotional performance, especially when they talk about like his old man burning his ear off. He he really was. I mean, like when you think about. Corey Feldman. I mean, he did he had a lot of performances yeah. that were pretty top notch for as young as he was, but it, that one really does just you just stand there like, wow, this is a kid. Yeah, and like this is really. I mean, just I mean, there are adults that can't act this well. Yeah, and he had every reason to just hate this person who abused him physically and mentally, uh, but he in the end when the uh, junkyard guy started talking shit to him about his dad. He got so upset and he was ready to kill this guy for talking yep. bad about his dad. So, man, that performance is so good. Really, I really hate yeah. how, like, Corey Feldman's kind of become a joke. Yeah, because he, I mean, there's so many things. I mean, so, I mean, I mean, huge franchises that are, you know, I mean, Goonies, uh, he voiced Donatello in two of the movies. Gremlins. Um, Gremlins. I mean, like, yeah. he was he was such a staple, and I mean, he's in the good, the best Joe Dante movies. Yes, basically. Um, he was he was in my favorite Friday the Thirteenth movie, the fourth one. Oh he's, yeah, he made that movie. And, yeah. um, that's the best movie of the franchise, in my opinion. Um, but he 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 really was just a huge for. I mean, the Lost Boys. I mean, as a little further down his career, but it's like he yeah the the, the relationship with Corey Haim. Yeah, you know, the whole Corey's thing. Uh, I I really enjoyed their chemistry yes. too. So uh, and I, I've I've listened to his autobiography like an audio uh, audible. It's it's really good. Uh, you know you you wonder how like true some of the stories are. Yeah. Uh, I you know, he he had, so many things happened to him as a young kid. Yeah. Uh, and I you know he was abused uh, unfortunately, and, uh, and then he had that relationship with Michael Jackson, which yep. you know who knows what could happen there. I don't. He didn't actually say that he touched him or anything. But he definitely mentally abused Corey yeah. Feldman, so which was just unfortunate. Yeah. But anyways, uh, I hate to end on a down note, but uh, it's a great movie. If you've never seen Stand by Me, watch it now. Like pause this episode and go watch. Stop it. Stop what you're doing. It it's we're, one of my all time favorites. We're gonna watch it right now too. Yeah, we're just you're gonna watch us watch the movie. Yeah, right the now. whole movie. <laughs> Now he said Sickum Boy, but what I heard was Chopper Sick Balls. All right, what's your next movie? Let's see here. Um, I'm gonna. I'll keep. I'll keep it going in the in the somewhat of a comedy vein. By the way, I kind of jumped around on my. I was going least. To, and that was I just went ahead and picked a, one of my tops. That's right. I abandoned that pretty, pretty we, quickly. We jump around all day we long. We do whatever we want. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Don't do you it. tell me how to reveal my list. Don't tell me my business, devil woman. <laughs> I'm going to turn to Daddy McBride. It's poop again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's see here. So, all right. I'm, number I'm, three for you. I'm going to go numero tres. Mm. Um, that is Spanish for number three, if you didn't know. Spanish? Yes. That's another language. I, oh, I thought you were saying the movie was called Spanish. No, I was just speaking another language. Okay. Yes, I did not understand. I, I was going to look that word up with Google language, yep. like Google Translate. I saved you a step there by just <laughs> translating my... I'm better than you. You saw how slow I am just then. You saw how slow a person I actually am. Just speak Spanish. 
<laughs> just speak Spanish. And then, and then I will assume you're talking about a movie. <laughs> no matter what the context. Spanish. There's all kinds of Spanish. Movies. Yeah. Uh, great. I don't know the Spanish for the great outdoors, but great. Outdoors okay. Is what I'm going with. Okay. Great. Great. <clears throat> One of uh, John Candy's best and Annette Benning's first movie. That's right. She was Roman's wife. Yep. Roman's wife. Um, Dan Aykroyd. You know, where I was, I was reading something where they were trying to, uh, it was, it was mostly concerning John Candy and his career and, uh, they're trying to determine, like they were trying to determine the tiers of great John Candy movies. And, uh, the, the, the topic inevitably came around to great outdoors and it was like a handful of people, and they 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 all agreed that that was a lower tiered uh, John Candy movie, which I think is crazy because I would uh, yeah. highly consider that one of the top tiers. I would too, uh, and, and I don't know if it's just because of the timing. Like if if it was, because I mean his career, you know, I mean he really started in the seventies. So by eighty eight, it wasn't that that was, yeah, it was a television tail. star. Yeah, it wasn't that eighty eight was the tail end of his career by any means, but. Um, it, it was, it's, but it was, it, it was, yeah. And with, uh, but for the timing for me watching this, it was because it's one of those, like, um, a, as a kid, I like, I could always, I always kind of in, it saw a, a national lampoon, you know, great outdoors, like just kind of a, it feels like every family kind of like, okay, this is, this is the American family. So watching the great outdoors, like as a kid, I could totally relate like, okay, yeah. If we were to go to a cabin like this, this would be the kind of crazy things that would happen to us. And so it was, there was, um, and there just that, that kind of, um, I don't know that, that lane of comedy, um, John can, I mean, we were, we were very, I mean, like even from an early age, the, I mean, second city guys, um, both the Chicago guys and the Toronto guys, which is second city guys were, uh, like, um, uh, Dave Thomas, Dave Thomas, Rick Moranis, and Rick Moranis, Eugene Levy, Eugene Levy, yeah, Catherine O'Hara, Joe yes. Flaherty, a lot, lot of guys. So even if even if you're not familiar with Second City and and then the, the TV show that yeah, uh, SCTV, SCTV, yeah, that you you know who they are, yeah, <laughs> huge huge influences in comedy yeah. movies into the '90s, really. Yeah. Um, and great great outdoors. It was it was just there were so many so many of those kind of classic moments that you know like. Um, even, even when we were, you know, kind of mentioning it beforehand or just, uh, talking about it, like there's just so many of those, the raccoons at the, at the, yeah. at the garbage can the subtitles. Where yeah. <laughs> there's so many things about it. It was just like all these little vignettes that tied together made this crazy. It was because it felt like it was almost like a version of vacation. Like mm. the, the Chevy chase is like, you know, it's one of those, those, um, those kind of films where it's like, all right, you're going to a destination and this is what you we're planning on having a great family vacation at the lake. And yeah. then just everything goes wrong. There's the, the old 96er. <laughs> you got to eat the gristle too. Yeah. Ah, there's nothing but uh, fat and gristle iron on the plate. <laughs> and he eats all 96 ounces of that steak. Yes. You know, for, for me, the great outdoors fits into one of my favorite old subgenres of like, um, summertime destination movies. Um, and I have one in my list too that would fit under that uh, that subgenre. It it just reminded me of summertime. I you know I would always watch this on cable around summertime, yeah. and uh, you know it, it that's what I it's what I associated with. And I I was deeply in love with John Candy at this point. 
you know, everything he was putting out to this point, and even even to a degree later on, even Uncle yeah. Buck, he was still hitting home runs. Oh yeah. Um, but th- this was great too. And Dan Aykroyd, uh, th- them two together were really funny. I like it when Dan Aykroyd plays just like a cocky jerk. Like I, yeah. I love Ray Stance and everything too. But you know, he's he, he's he's good at that character. He really. I mean, like it was like a toned down Irwin Mainway from Saturday Night Live, which is one of my favorite characters he ever mm. did. Where he's the, mm, yeah, the yeah. shady toy. Yeah, know, the um, bag of glass. Yeah. Like <laughs> Johnny here with torch. You know, very true. Very true. He was. He was as. As John Candy's antagonist, he was just at every turn. It was oh my gosh, so good! Just showing him up at every like the boat with the the, the jet engine boat, and 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 then of course you find out at the end that like he's actually there to borrow money, yep. or not really even borrow money to steal, steal money. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that but that was a change of heart. It was a really interesting turn yeah. of events towards the end there. Um, I can't think of the actress either, too, that played John Candy's wife. She's really enjoyable in that movie. Yeah. I really like the part where they're kind of like alone at last, and they're kind of trying to enjoy each other's company as man and wife, and then, you know, like, in comes Rowan with the over-the-shoulder, like, video camera. Yep. Uh, <laughs> interrupts, yeah. And right off the bat, you know. And the whole the whole scene where they're sitting on the, uh, like, the back of the, you know, like, the patio or whatever yeah. looking into the actual great outdoors and how beautiful it is and you know like you know like roman's like i'll tell you what i see and he goes on this like long diatribe and it's just nothing but negative yeah yeah and then junk and he's just like I, I just see trees i love that delivery it's so great because <laughs> you know who, who is it john candy in that moment he and and that was because that was the thing is like john candy just felt like John Candy could be anybody's dad. Oh, yes. He was just like, he's everybody's dad. He's everybody's dad. Good and he boy. takes the lamp and he shoots the bear in the ass. Oh, right. And he's like, shoots all the fur yeah. off his ass. <laughs> so great. It is awesome. And the guy, that, the guy that got struck by lightning 66 oh, yeah. times. Six times. Six times. Six times. Six times. <laughs> so great. It is awesome. <laughs> So yeah, if if you if you had a love for like a summertime camp yeah. type movie, like it it'll fit the bill. And you know, anytime it comes on, and I love how it ends too, like with they're all kind of dancing to the yeah. like na 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 as the credits are like it was, rolling. Yeah, it was a great finish. It's just fun. Yeah. It's just a fun movie. Come on in, I'm making you a sandwich. <laughs> big, big, ooh, big, big. All right, we'll make a big one. Big bear. Big bear. <laughs> no, true, true. Oh, dear. We're glad you're home, honey. Big bear, chase. Big bear, chase. What is he saying? What? Big bear, chase me. Uh, moving on next for me. Numero trace. <clears throat> Numero trace. I'm like, what? Okay, so my next movie, I'm going to go ahead and pick one from the lower tier. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll just call this a good double feature then. Okay. Uh, one crazy summer. Starring John Cusack, John Cusack. and uh, Bobcat Goldwave and uh, Demi Moore. Demi Moore, yeah, yeah. Was Demi Moore was a young there. Demi Moore. That movie is just so great. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. It's been a while since I've seen it. But it has one of the all-time like great VHS box arts too. Like, yes. It's just like one of those like great old school like you know, poster on a VHS. It had like the, the sun with like the Yeah, it had like the sun yeah. with the like, Well, he's like a cartoonist yeah. in the beginning of the movie, so he's and that cart that car- actual cartoon style like is important too. Like I yeah. wish I could remember like the trivia to that, but that is that is like a you know like a an artist that yeah. we all know, and it's that you know like made those. But um, 
uh, John Cusack is probably he was my first and big like movie like I don't know, movie crush like I didn't I wasn't in love with John Cusack but he was like the guy that I would want to pattern my life yeah. after you know he was just he was a cool guy and funny and charming and he would get the girl but he was not uh, you know he wasn't the big jock yeah he, he was he, he wasn't super talented ever he was just always on the edge trying to trying to reach above what he would normally he was quick-witted he yeah, was, he was really smart. I appreciated that, but it, like they never necessarily played him because in the eighties there was definitively like stereotypical nerds, mm-hmm. and he was he was like he was a cool nerd, yeah. That they never played up as a nerd. Yeah, that was, that's true. That's very true. Because he was always kind of like this underdog kind of guy, but like in a way that you really kind of, you know, it wasn't like oh we want to see him transform. It was like no, we want him to stay just how he is, but just we want him to win. Kind of like a Michael J. Fox. Yeah, you know, yep. like you you just know that he's gonna win. In the situations he's he's gonna he's gonna outthink the yeah. you know whoever because like the the antagonist in this movie is like this Teddy, the millionaire son who drives around in a Ferrari and is like the boyfriend of like Demi Moore and all yeah. that stuff. He's like your typical prototypical '80s villain in like a teen comedy type situation. But I really did enjoy Bobcat Goldwave's character in that too because he he plays like one of the locals on the island because they you know it's like Nantucket and. It, it's again it's like a summer movie he's he's visiting family and um you know it's just like one silly thing after another it's like it's like a, the slobs versus you know what's the hell john genre uh, the slobs versus the snobs yes that kind of movie they're 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 railing against the rich and powerful and then the movie kind of ends in this like boat race this silly ass boat race where they steal the ferrari of the spoiled kid and like turn it somehow into a boat engine of course, <laughs> that's how you do that's what it. You do, Stan Darsh. Yeah, and you know it. It's it's one of those movies where it's just candy. It's just empty calories, but I I it's enjoy fun. it. Yeah, it's just fun, and it always makes me laugh. And uh, you know, Demi Moore and John Cusack were pretty pretty cool. You know, yeah, they were they cute worked together they worked really movie. well together. Yeah, and uh, I need to go back and rewatch that. It's great. Go back and rewatch that. It's really fun. It's a lot of fun. And in the whole movie, too, by the way, there's like this long setup of a joke where there's a radio station having one of those contests where if you stay by the phone and you they call you, yes. you're supposed to answer with like their call. And he's he's just constantly like in the bathroom. Like he takes the phone in the bathroom with him. He's obsessed in a crazy person all summer long. And then something happens where like they actually he gets a call and he's prepared. And I think like he loses power in his house or something. It's one of those. You yeah. see it coming from a mile away because they're setting it up. Too many times, really, you know, to, to even pay off. Yeah, it's just silly. Let me tell you a story about a little fat boy, and he had a, and he had a twin brother, and everybody and, and, and everybody said they didn't like anything like his twin brother, but but he wanted to. Hank, were you the little fat boy? No, no, but, but I just like to beat him up. You know, I grab my go, why are you so fat? Why are you so fat? And I beat the shit out of him. Okay, uh, what's uh, your quattro? Oh, quattro. Quattro. See, I can do it too. I knew a guy whose last name was Quattro. No relation to the Razor. Um, was he the mutant greater? Like that mutant underground resistance um, leader? Oh, that was... Uh, <laughs> quattro? Quattro. Yeah. Quattro. Not I, just, I just watched Ace Ventura the other night, and I was thinking of Aguado, because um, <laughs> they all sound the same now. Aguado. 
That was in the second one, right? Yes. The Bat. Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Love those movies. I at least really remember. I, I feel like two would stand up. I don't know how much one stands up. I started to watch two, but then it was like two in the morning, so I stopped. Okay. Um, I probably. It's far too late. I, I, I wore out a couple of VHS copies of those movies because I was a big Ace Ventura fan. First one did not hold up as well as I thought. <laughs> second one, I think, might. But yeah. I think you're right. I think yeah. the second one's got a little bit more legs to, to run. Um, let's see here. Um, I'll go. I just I just rewatched this one not too long ago. Um, uh, Steve Martin and Michael Caine in oh. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yes, we talked about this. Yes, and in I, previous I, episode that one that one had to make it for me simply because it was one at the time didn't necessarily have as great of a uh, of a uh, pulse on that, but in years ago, just I mean, it, it's one of those to me. It's like Michael Caine is uh, to to me like that role to. It's it's a very much a Michael Caine role, but to yeah. me it's not a Michael Caine movie. I just love the juxtaposition of him and mm-hmm. Steve Martin together, and it works so well. It really does. I mean, just they're I mean two con men just with different perspectives on things, and then just the way that you're so focused on that, you don't necessarily pay attention to the long con that's going on in the entire movie. That pays off in the end. Very, very well. And it is, it is it's just, it's one of those, like, it's such an iconic movie to me for both of those guys. It's not, I mean, like Steve Martin, I always think The Jerk is the first one that comes up. And Michael Caine has such a, a catalog of really great dramatic roles. Yes. Um, Big that, actor in the 70s. Yes. And so to have him um, in this role, it's not like he would be like, oh my goodness, we got Michael Caine for this movie? Why would we? But, he, he fits. Well, he fit that dignified, oh, yeah. uh, you know, kind of almost almost uh, royal esque. Yes, um, and he had the estate with the butler, and he just he, he he was the one that seemed like he had a lot of money, whereas yeah. Steve Martin was always going for the short game, yep. quick hustle, and uh, he but he was the cocky American. Yep. Which is funny because like you wouldn't necessarily think that you would pick Steve Martin as the cocky American. He, you know, he's got the silver hair. He already looks like an old man. But, I mean, we're, of course, we're well aware of Steve Martin and how great he is oh, yeah. at this point in 1988. You know, he was probably coming down at this point. But that Dude, was yeah. still a phenomenal performance. Oh, so great. The movie is definitely best, though, when they're working together. Yes. And not against each other. Yes. Um, like the whole Ruprecht scene. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. Where he's got him in a dungeon, basically. <laughs> Oh, he's just running around like a monkey in a costume. He's got the eye patch. Oh. <laughs> they got a they cork like, on his fork, you know? <laughs> yes. Mother, not mother. <laughs> it's, it really, I mean, like, that. that is probably the best little montage in the entire movie when it's the two of them, and he's training him to be um, a better con man. <laughs> yeah, that's oh. good stuff. I, I, I enjoyed it. And they're trying to, like, he's trying to molt, like, mold him to yes. be himself because Michael Caine really does want to have a partner uh, and he probably saw him as a replacement for him eventually yep. so he could retire but still make money off of Steve Martin but I do really enjoy when uh, and I don't know the actress's name but uh, they're they're kind of ignoring her you know they, oh, they don't yeah. see her as a threat because she's she's better than both of them yep and of course you know they they all kind of come together at the very end but she takes them both and that's such a it's such a savory payoff. Oh, it, it really, and then the the because you you have this moment where they both have the revelation that they've been yes we've been duped. Yes. How did this happen? Yes, and in and then right after that, 
you have the the very end of the movie when she comes back. She comes back. The boat full of Greek tourists, and they're like, all right, she just implies, all right, we're working together now, guys. She kind of shoots them a look, yeah, and they just sort of play along. And I, I'm so glad they did that because it's it a was, really good ending. They was, all deserve each other. Oh, it was what <laughs> and and to know that they're basically shot for shots, make remaking it with what's Rebel Anne, Rebel Wilson, Rebel Wilson and Anne Hathaway. Yeah, it's, they're not calling it Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but it's Dirty it's Rotten Dirty Scoundrels. Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, we we'd gone into whole uh, doing remakes and just sort of gender flopping, and that that's their kind of excuse for making it. And I'm all for you know, I, it's not even the fact that it's like women doing. It's just like they don't even. I don't feel like they're treating it with any respect, casting it with like the best possible people. And maybe they tr- maybe they approached, you know, people, and these are just who they got left with. Well, I, I think I think the thing to me. That feels a bit unfair in doing this way because I, I mean, I, I just kind of object based on the premise. But there's a part where it's like, I guess, just if I was coming at it from my perspective, I'd say, well, but Steve Martin already played this character. Yeah. Like yeah. if it was me, it would be like, would everybody's just gonna be measuring me against Steve Martin? Like it's tough. And maybe it's just like if you're if you're an actor, like, well, I'm better than Steve Martin, so I'm gonna do this movie better. I don't know if that's perspective. I wouldn't necessarily think. I'm sure Rebel Wilson did not <coughs> approach it that no. way. I, I wouldn't. She seems like a very talented, respectful. You know, like she, she's a professional comedian. Yeah. You know, like that's what she does. But that's that's what it just it seems to me like if I was if they're like we're gonna remake Dirty Round Scoundrels and you're gonna play Steve Martin and you're gonna play Michael Caine, be like, well, why don't we just? I mean, like, why don't we write a movie that's in the same vein, but let's write something different. Why don't we do a better. quick impromptu game? Who who would you cast as the Michael Caine uh, role instead gonna, of Anne Hathaway? If I was going to remake it, yeah, who would you pick? Um, uh, what's uh, uh, she was in the Dark Knight Rises? Marion. Oh, what's her face? Yeah. Okay. I, Cody, I, Cody, interesting. I, I gotta look. Interesting. She just she strikes me as somebody that would convey that. Kind yeah, she's of, in a lot of um, uh, Chris. Uh, what was the director? <laughs> Chris Nolan. Yeah, she's in a couple of Chris Nolan movies too. Uh, that's an interesting choice because I too was thinking of someone who's more. Um, I was thinking British. I yeah. don't know if she's British or not. I think she's French. Um, but yeah, who who would you pick that would be? Someone who could, if not British, at least pull off British a little better than maybe Anne Hathaway could. Yeah, Marion. I don't. I don't know how to say that. Culty Lard. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a French way to say it, yeah, for but sure, it for looks sure. like it's spelled Cotillard. Yeah, Cotillard. Cotillard. Yeah. Cotillard. French. The French. Oh, just go <coughs> in front of the. Oh, how do you say Cotillard? We are the French. <laughs> we have baguettes. And stripy shirts. And we wear berets. <laughs> Come on, guys. That is the French army uniform. This is our perspective on France. Yeah, I'm so sorry if you're French if you're, and you're listening to us. This is how turds, we A couple of turds on a couch. Just a couple of, just a couple of morons who <laughs> only know France from Looney Tunes cartoons. I'm picturing Bebe Le Pew. Such a, such a broad characterization. That's, that's our impression <laughs> of France. They frolic around, you know. <laughs> Little pencil mustache. <laughs> Arrogant. That's fair. And so, who would you put in the Steve Martin role? Ah, Steve Martin role. You know, I'm thinking uh, Kristen uh, Wiig. You, yeah. I-, I could see her pulling like she she has the comedic juice. Yep. To do something like that, um, and even if you made it like a, a Paul Fig movie. Too, yeah. 
where you give them a little bit of a little bit of uh, room to yeah. improvise. Yeah. Um, I mean, you couldn't necessarily you, you could not put Jenny, uh, uh, not Jenny McCarthy, but Melissa, Melissa McCarthy, McCarthy in that no. in the cane row. That would not work. But no. I, I do like um, I do like her for the Steve Martin. Maybe. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Not mother. No, Ruprecht. She's not our mother. <laughs> Go on, Diana. You were saying? Well, I think that the... Ah! Ruprecht! May I take your trident, sir? Yes. Uh, moving on there to my go. next, yeah, my next 1986 movie um, is a classic to me. It is the Steve Martin, Steve um, Martin Short, Chevy Chase. Ah, uh, yes. I just Western classic, The Three Amigos. Great movie. Just rewatched it the other day. Probably more calories, like I said, like one crazy uh, summer. But there's no denying that it's kind of a classic to a lot of other people, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. You put those three actors together in a movie and then actually have good chemistry. Um, and Martin uh, Martin Short, I think, is the one to... He, he is the guy who, I think, sells their chemistry. Yeah. Um, as little Ned Needle Needlander, yeah. or whatever his name is. like kind of the uh, uh, classic. He, he's like the quick draw guy. Yep. And he had been for his whole life. Like the, cl- I love the scene towards the end when they have the German guy who's like, you know, been a yeah. big fan. Yeah. It's like you're that needle. And so his his like way of of uh, showing him he's such a big fan is he wishes to kill him in a quick draw, like because he thought he was they were using like movie magic. And of course, like Martin, she can't pick up the huge pistol that he gives. Oh, I love that whole scene. I love movies where like you got the characters who are not aware of they're they're in a, a real scenario yeah there's there's been a lot of movies i think like that since three amigos none of them immediately come to mind but just unwittingly they just think they're in a movie the man who knew too little that was with bill murray that was a great one a good example uh just you think it's something but it's not and there's been even more recent examples too of movies like that and every time i see one i'm like oh it's three amigos uh but you know steve martin again top of his game he is dusty bottoms I, I, no wait, or was that Chevy Chase? Oh, that might have been Chevy Chase. Actually. No, Lucky was was Chevy Chase. I think. I think oh, that Chevy. was his name. <laughs> and I think I put this on. I put this out there on Twitter once before. Um, when, whenever I'm feeling blue or just need to smile, I sing the My Little Buttercup song, <laughs> <laughs> and it works like every time. Do you do the dance as well? I don't even sing it. I just think about it and and like, just laugh and giggle. Uh, the whole choreography of it. You know, like that whole barroom scene in general is just phenomenal. They get a lot of comedy out of that barroom scene with that, you know, the bartender guy oh, who's real soft spoken but big. And uh, you know, they of course they they go in there and, and throughout the movie they just think that these peasants who are paying them supposedly to kill El Guapo. El Guapo is the great, I think, uh, X factor of that movie too. Like he is hilarious. That actor, he and I think he's kind of a famous actor too and been in a lot of movies. But he he and Pepe, I love their their chemistry. Oh, Tony Plana, yeah. <laughs> I love like when they're having his birthday party. The pinatas. I love yeah. the pinatas. Would you say there is a plethora of pinatas? <laughs> oh yes, a plethora. Do you know what a plethora is? Once again, you have bested me with your intellect. <laughs> I just love how you like talk his way out of it. Such a great little Weasley number two. Anytime I ever get a piece of clothing as a present, to this day, I pull it out of the box and go, a sweater! 
they all kind of pull together. They that give, was the big sweater. <laughs> yeah, and like the one long, one arm is obviously like longer than the other, and it's and so he's, generic. He's so like he's so expressive about it. Like he's genuinely pleased. Very by pleased <laughs> that his men knitted him a sweater that he would wear in Mexico. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. Dude, this is another layer of hilariousness right there. What are you going to do with the sweater? Sweater in Mexico. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I could sit and quote that entire movie forever, but I won't. Um, it, it's just awesome. Uh, Three Amigos is one of my all-time favorite comedies. Just as, as I was looking this up, Dusty Bottoms was Chevy Chase. It was Lucky Dusty Day Bottoms. Was okay. But yep. looking at it, John Landis was the director, which I didn't realize. And the, John Landis of uh, Beverly Hills Cop? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, werewolf, in, werewolf in London. Uh, no, he did do Beverly Hills Cop, right? Uh, or was it the third one that he, he did, did? He did both both of the Blues Brothers movies. Okay, okay, um, okay, okay. That's Now that's a Landis movie. Yeah. Twilight Zone. He was a yeah, director of the Twilight, Twilight Zone. Zone. Um, he did Animal House, mm. um, American Werewolf in London, Trading Places. I think he did the third Beverly Hills Cop movie, if I'm not Let's mistaken. See. You got it. Three Amigos, Coming to America. Um, oh, Coming to America. Beverly Hills Cop 3. Yep. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, what happened to that guy? He was he started white hot, movies. burning white hot in the eighties. Really, not great movies. Yeah, <laughs> like, so nuts. Like he, uh, it's really weird when a director like just starts laying eggs, and you it's it's sad. The stupids, Blues Brothers oh two thousand, Honey I Shrunk the Kids the TV show. He had uh, one episode of that. Legendary film director was reduced. To directing the TV version of Honey. Steve Steve Martin, um, Lauren Michaels, and Randy Newman wrote um, The Three Amigos. That's amazing. Well, Randy a, Newman? Randy Newman. Yeah, one of these things that's not like the other. <laughs> like, right. it, was, it was the three. I was like, oh, that's... John Landis directed this. Steve Phil Hartman, Hartman has a wonderful cameo in it. <coughs> yes. <laughs> like <laughs> the guy on the phone. He's like, who's he calling? <laughs> Take the Amigos clothes. <laughs> Joe Mantegna and John Lovitz. Yep, yep, so, they were all kind of there. Yeah, John Lovitz was the uh, boss, wasn't he? Yes. I think, I think. Anyway. Um, yeah, great. So thanks for looking up those names for me, because I was getting them out of order, uh, other than gonna, Ned. Who's was going to bother me, too. So I was like, I need to look this up. Right? <laughs> I'll just be sitting here bothered. You saved me. You saved me, sir. We're a team. That's what teammates do. What was the joke when they come out of the tavern? He's like, you see that little plane? It's a male plane. And then, I can't remember the rest of the joke, but it was something to do like because he had little balls. Because he had the balls. Yeah. <laughs> I never really understood that. It and never. Just, it doesn't make sense. Because they're just standing there looking at him, and he's just cracking out, <laughs> and it's just great. I do it. He's like a little kid. He's even though he's a grown man, he's kind of like still a little that's, kid. That's Martin Short. That's why. Absolutely. I him. Absolutely. You know, I just recently read uh, that he was retiring. It's. Probably okay for him to do it now. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched him and Steve Martin special on Netflix, and I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that he's... I mean, he doesn't have the ability, I think, to turn out the kind of great material that he used to. And it's always really weird when an actor retires. Yeah. You know, and it's happened. You know, like Jack Nicholson. They usually retire for medical reasons, I guess. Like, I know with Jack, he's just, I think, kind of losing his mind a He's really bit. old. He's really old. Really old. Sean Connery yeah. is really you know, racist. Yeah. And sexist <laughs> and a lot of other stuff. Wouldn't do so not, well. Not in today's Me Too world. Yeah, he's not woke at all. <laughs> Maldi Broads. Um, Money, Penny. And uh, who else is retired? I feel like there's other. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman, yeah, yeah. He just 
And he did. But they're not athletes. Like he, they don't need to retire. You're just not getting work anymore. He retired, and his last film was Welcome to Mooseport. And I was just like, why, John? Why, why, Gene? Why? Yeah. You've done so many other great movies. Is like, like I want to end on Welcome to Mooseport. I guess he was happy with that. Like going out with his with Ray Romano. Everybody loves Ray. Everybody loves Ray. Let me see that. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, great! Real bullets! Oh, I'll keep this. What's your right. fifth? Number five. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears. I'll, I'll go this way. This is how I'll switch gears. Um, and this is one I've... I've I'm... I'm Teasing that I might use for a, a Rad Dad's feature in the future. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That uh, just such such a great movie. I mean, there's um, I, I think especially as a kid when you um, I, I don't know that I had a whole lot of exposure up to that for, that, that point between here's actual people and here's cartoons hmm. and putting them together in the same movie is just like wait a second how do you do that? These are cartoons and these are real people. They how do you how do you how are they, I don't even understand what this dark magic is. Robert Zemeckis has always been on the cutting edge of technology in movies. In fact, I think that's all he really cares about. Yeah. If, if a good story like unfolds, like it's purely coincidental, yeah, I think almost. Happened. Sometimes you just have really charismatic actors and they, it all just sort of happens like back to the future. Uh, but yeah, it's not just them painting the cells over the film like it's it's the little things where they would create shadows you know like with the weasels like they would actually have actors with the weasel puppets and they did that not to give them something to look at for the actors to look at maybe that was part of it but the bigger reason why they were doing it was so that they could actually have shadows of the cartoons and if you watch that movie you know the cartoons have shadows yeah it was beautiful a real a really phenomenally done and you know there's um I remember as a kid, I mean, it's, it's funny to me too. It's like, especially, you know, just watch back to the future. I mean, I, as a kid had such a perspective of Christopher Lloyd as doc Brown. Yeah. And then for him to be the judge yeah. in this movie judge doom. and just like, you know, he was creepy enough when he was a human, but then when they turn him into a cartoon, you're like, Oh, this is like, this is a nightmare factory now. When he transforms into the cartoon at the end, it's terrifying. <laughs> he's like all wiry, like blows yeah. himself up. And I was like, I remember when I killed your brother, yeah. he sounded just like this. Like, oh, <laughs> this is literally unsettling. I'm never going to sleep again now. Yeah, pretty much. But it was, I mean, like it, it was, I mean, because I'm looking forward to rewatching it because it's been a little while since I've seen it. And there's, I mean, like there's an actual story that unfolds that is actually, I mean, it's, I, there, especially if it's well done, I like when they do kind of the film noir mm. in a modern day. Yeah, it's a, it's a noir. Yeah. Totally. And so I, I, I dig that they, the way they, they do it. Bob Haskins as Eddie Valiant is so, so good. It's probably one of my favorite Bob Haskins performances. Um, and I forget the guy that does the voice for Roger Rabbit. Yeah, um, me too. But, uh, Speaking of Roger Rabbit, I'm really pissed at how they, Disney has neglected Roger. 
they really since have. the late '80s, early '90s. He because he really saved Disney's bacon, and he they really could have done a lot more with that character than yeah. just this one-off movie. Yeah, and I was like, I mean, he's no more one joke than Goofy. No, I mean that's I guess what you could argue is that he's just kind of a one-joke character, but um, so is kind of Goofy and a lot of others. But I mean, it's like going, going down this list, and you got, I mean, I got you got Beetlejuice, and you got, I mean, you got all these other movies that have that had spinoffs. Of cartoon series of yeah. things like oh well we should market this to kids well it'll have some it'll have legs we'll make more money it's like okay you have Who Framed Roger Rabbit I was like okay you just out of thin air created a new character that everyone is loves loving yeah exactly yeah. that was a really good impression <laughs> thank you I like that <laughs> um, but it was like everybody loved Roger Rabbit and you're like why is this all we get to see of him why would you I know. Well, we they not? would use him like in feature films. <clears throat> like they would have like these really beautiful little shorts. Yeah, uh, but that's all you got was a little yeah. bit of a taste. And it's like give me, uh, give me more. I, this is this is why I signed up. Who who did frame him? Who framed him? I don't know. I'm gonna watch the movie and find out. It's so odd because Disney is this mega corporation now. Uh, they own everything. Like they they almost literally own everything nowadays. But they the way that they Disney was in a tough spot at this point in their in the history of their studio like none of their none of their animated movies were hitting nope don bluth was kind of like kicking his kicking their tail um like i think the previous cartoon i, I want to say it was uh, uh black cauldron black which was cauldron. a huge flop um and then this comes out and rogers this completely like you said new character they they made up they made him up I mean, I'm sure he's like based on some other characters. He's, it's set in the, like the 40s or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, he's meant to, I think, invoke some of the types of characters you would see in old cartoons from the time. Really contemporary. But um, to have the Disney characters and the Warner Brothers characters together. And I love how they would have the character, like their, you know, their contemporary alter, you know, like, like they would have Mickey and then they would have bugs yep. falling from the sky, and like they're each kind of like doing their thing. And they People would have my favorite was the whole like Donald Duck, Daffy Duck, Daffy Duck and the piano, piano scene. Bar. And uh, I've read that they that was a really tough uh, thing to film because both studios insisted that they each they they had to have the same exact amount of time, you know. But it was a beautiful scene. It was a great scene. And Kathleen Turner is Jessica Rabbit, man. Oh God. Confession: I used to draw Jessica Rabbit in my little notebooks quite a bit. I never drew her like naked, but I enjoyed drawing Jessica she's, Rabbit. She's not bad. She's just drawn that way. It's not bad. Yeah, but I was drawing her bad. Uh, but uh, you know, I love the whole like Jessica Rabbit's married to Roger Rabbit. It's so funny. Um, and then the uh, baby. Um, what was it? baby Herman? Baby Herman, yeah. I, I love that he's like, okay, he's a baby, but then he's like, oh, what the hell's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, he was the I very... The, I love the cab, too. Benny the cab, yeah. And But going back to how, like, Disney has just sort of erased Roger, even if you go to their you know, uh, their MGM studios, yeah. all they have left is, like, a billboard. They, they have, like, a single billboard, and that may be gone now, because they're, like, you know, that, that whole park is just Star Wars land now. But, um, you know, they had a Toontown billboard and i was just so thrilled to see anything at all because it had been so long because the their mgm studios was right around the same time that roger Rabbit came out so he kind of was the face of that whole park um he was huge giant and i had a gigantic uh rahu because my brother was working at a video store 
at the same time that this movie was coming out on video. And so he, he brought home for me like one of those huge, like Roger Rabbit, like cardboard standups. Nice. And uh, I, I remember wearing that video out. Like, oh, yeah. So like you'd worn out the uh, VHSs of Ace Ventura. I probably wore that movie out equally. Who framed Roger Rabbit? It was a fantastic film that I, I mean, it really, especially when you think about how, I mean, today they're big on reboots. Like they were huge on sequels. Yeah. There was going to be a sequel and, and just never came to be. Evidently there was a script and everything. Wow. I just, didn't even know that. Yeah. Just, uh, just didn't happen. That's a shame. Jave and a haircut. Two bits. <laughs> you don't know how hard it is being a man looking at a woman looking the way you do. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Okay, my next movie is a sports movie to beat to beat all sports movies, really. Even even more so than Mighty Ducks. Or it's debatable, I guess. But uh, speaking of Gene Hackman, and coming from an area of the world that where basketball is king, uh, Hoosiers was oh. uh, the movie, my next movie. I thought you were going to say The Replacements when you said Gene Hackman. <laughs> Gene Hackman. Sports. I was like, that's not 86. Yeah, that was like way later. 2001. No, Keanu Reeves wasn't in this movie. But yeah, it was Gene Hackman and uh, Dennis Hopper who was nominated and maybe even won an Academy Award. I'm not positive on that. Don't quote The Hop. Yeah, he's kind of his big comeback in uh, acting as far as, because, you know, he had a rough time of it there for a little while. Uh, but I, I love this movie. It's it's the small town uh, underdogs, you know, who make it to the state championship. And uh, it it's just one of those lessons in life where I, I love it where they're, they make it to, you know, the the final game, or the, you know, they're, they're playing the really big school with all yes. the athletes who are probably going on to colleges. And I love the scene where he sees his kids are like really kind of starstruck and in awe. And he takes the tape measure and he, you know, he, he goes, he climbs up a ladder and he, you know, like hold this and he drops it down. And he goes, see 10 feet, just like back home. And I was just like, that really stuck with me. Cause it's like, no matter how big something is, it's just the it's same. The same. Yeah. It's, it had, it had a, a very Rudy kind of feel to it. Very, oh, like yeah. every man kind of, you know, we, we can do this, guys. Hoosiers and Rudy is very, very similar, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the music, uh, I just just the way the movie looked, I mean, it, it's, it was like in the 50s, uh, and, you know, like when basketball was just starting to become huge, I guess. But uh, I love Gene Hackman's performance in that. He, he is what Bobby Knight wishes he could be in that um and and because he was so good in that it's probably why he did the replacements he probably was demand <clears throat> i'm sure like any movie that was written that required a coach he probably got offered that role like give it to, for, to the end of time yeah. we're gonna have a political election in a very small town give it to gene hackman <laughs> remember what got you here focus on the fundamentals We've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. But yeah, that's that's my next movie. What's your next? My next, let's see. Um, I, uh, my transition there was going from, I was going to use this Who Framed Roger Rabbit because mm. this one's a little off the beaten path. But going back to being a five-year-old, this was would have been very. It was very instrumental in my childhood development. Land Before Time, 
Oh my god, another one of those like movies that break your heart. And it's such a downer. <sighs> that movie really is a downer. Like, here, let's animate this movie for kids about dinosaurs, and let's just depress the crap out of them. That movie is super depressing. I'm depressed just thinking about it, too. You want another layer of depressiveness? I the, do. The little, the little uh, girl who played, like, the... Uh, uh, Ducky? Ducky, yeah. Died before that movie even came oh, out. Like, she literally died, like, in real life. Oh. Just kill her. Um, but, yeah, we're talking about Bluth. This, this is one of the movies that was responsible for kicking Disney in the can. Yep. You know, th this was probably the last movie that where they were ahead of Disney. And then the renaissance happened with Disney, and then it was all, Don Bluth became a... <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. And this movie spawned 5,000 sequels. A million sequels it's crazy how many sequels are it's like in the double digits oh, yeah. isn't it yeah easily and the, like you're just like how do these like oh the land before time the roller skating contest you're like what you're like land before time where they go to math class and you're like they're just <laughs> making these up now. Like, like why why this is not even, this is not a thing like oh i guess they animated another movie where they do something mundane and we don't even care we'll watch it all day long you know before i even saw that movie and I, I saw it on VHS or something, I'm sure, cable. Uh, the, the, the big memory I have of the Land Before Dines, Land Before Time, were the Pizza Hut puppets. Yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> I had to have them. Oh, yeah. I was so desperate for a Littlefoot Pizza oh, Hut yeah, puppet. absolutely. And uh, the, I, I miss those types of tie-ins these days. And Because that, that, that was, I mean, like, you know, McDonald's and Burger King. Like, they had, they had the big ones. Like, okay, your parents could take you to McDonald's, take you to Burger King go through the drive-thru, and you can get a Happy Meal pretty easily. Yeah. You weren't going to Pizza Hut all the time. Like, no. But they was, did get the turtles, too. They did. Actually. Uh, but, yeah, those, those little... You, you would go to Pizza Hut and just get the glasses. Yep. Those iconic Pizza Hut glasses. Those are really all you could get from Pizza Hut. Um, but man, those, those... And I'll have to try and find some footage and throw it in the video, but, you know, I remember that so distinctly. And, you know, Pizza Hut was also, like, it wasn't just McDonald's where it was, like, a cheap thing to get. Yeah. You know, if you were going to Pizza Hut, you were, you know, you were going there to dine in. You were probably going to spend some coin. It wasn't something that you could, it was kind of a special thing, yeah. you know, to go to Pizza Hut after a ball game or something. Yeah. Whatever. You could go to McDonald's whenever. McDonald's was, you know, was like, oh, this is just going to make dinner easier on yeah. mom and dad. It's like, yeah. Pizza Hut, that was like, okay, we're taking the kids out to dinner. What's the occasion? You like, know, what like, if Pizza we're, this because this is pre-book it too. This is not, there was no like, hey, you should come to Pizza Hut because this like, <laughs> tell your parents you want these puppets. They should bring you to Pizza Hut. And you're like, okay, I'll do that. Now I haven't been to a Pizza Hut in eons. Do they even have lobbies and stuff anymore? Some of them do. A yeah. lot of them have transformed to be just like that. Here, come pick up your pizza, yeah. or we'll drive it to you. You walk in, there's just a waiting table, yeah. like one table for like twelve people. Yeah, and you just fight over it. Um, yeah, you know, the other people just awkwardly stand. Yeah, just that's just mostly what they are now. Pretty like much. In, you know, the 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 strip mall type places. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I kind of would like to just for old time's sakes find a Pizza Hut where I could just go and have, sit down, <clears throat> order a drink, and they bring me in those like red the red cup cups yep. that you. Oh, I love the feel of those things too. Like they were like crystals, and you just grip that bad boy. You go out to Shelbyville. There's one in Shelbyville. Nice. And they bring you that pitcher of cola, you know, you just like pour it around. Is it a, a liter of cola? It's a liter of cola. <laughs> it's a whole liter? It's for a cop. It's for a cop. <laughs> you think he spit in this burger? Yeah. 
Don't spit in that cop's burger. <laughs> Farva. Um, but yeah, so that that's my sort of connection to Lady yeah. Board Island is Pizza Hut. You know, anybody who knows me is I'm a freak for pizza, man. It's my favorite. Oh, uh, absolutely. I live off of it. So did you see it in theaters? I'm trying to, I don't know that we did. I, I, I feel like, because we, we would go to the movies here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we, I mean, like we were big patrons of the rental, oh, uh, yeah. the rental establishment. I mean, that was. They were everywhere. Video yeah, stores were just everywhere. Grocery I, stores. I, that's one of the things that I kind of miss about that culture. Like I know everybody's like, oh, it's so much easier now. Like yeah. you don't have to go somewhere. I was like, it is. But it was kind of fun to like go with your mom and dad on a Friday afternoon, evening. Like, yeah. let's go to the video store. It totally like, was. You know, it was inco- it was inconvenient in every way, but also kind of fun. Yeah, it's like, and there was there was a part of it where like you didn't. I'm mean, like, oh yeah, this just came out. I want to see this. You might not get to see that movie. Yeah, like if you and I wanted to see something that came out this week, like we could. That's not a problem. Right, right. It's like you might like. Oh, everybody on Monday is gonna be talking about. We watched Lamb for a time this week. I was like, oh, it was out. We didn't get to see it. They're like, well, you suck. You can't be a part of our. You should leave this school now because you didn't get to see Land Before Time. We all watched it this weekend. You're totally lame. Mom dies. Yep. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. You bastard. His mom dies. Mm. Yeah, God. You should just they, go cry by yourself they, now. They, they borrowed that from Disney for yeah. sure. Yeah, let's kill off the kids' parents. Let's have let's make an animated movie for children. Let's kill the parents. Kill all the parents. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Settle down. Stop murdering parents. Like I'm the one renting this for my children. You want to kill me off? I'm your revenue stream. Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? Um, so yeah, that's that's my number five. It's a good one. And now these lovable characters can be your child's friends too. With a pizza from Pizza Hut, a Land Before Time dinosaur is only ninety nine cents. So come to Pizza Hut. Your friends are waiting. We'll always be together. Pizza Hut. Okay, my next movie is Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, great movie. <laughs> great movie. Uh, this movie was when I saw a few years later. Because, I mean, it's not a movie yeah. that would appeal to a kid necessarily. Uh, and, of course, it stars the great Kurt Russell. Uh, and it has uh, Kim Cattrall in it. And uh, I can't think of the uh, the older gentleman who's got like the six demon bag and that he's kind of and and then also uh his friend too i can never remember his name but uh they they have such good chemistry together i i love the how supernatural that movie is yes um that's the scene that really really sticks out to me is where um jack and they're 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 kind of in the alley and they're in the truck and then there's the two gangs, like the rival gangs, to break, kind of breaks out into a melee. But then the the godly creatures just sort of come and just like runs roughshod all over like everybody. And then Jack comes in. He's he's still kind of cocky. Like, I love how cocky that was. The Kurt Russell, I, I believe, oh. that's when he became like that kind of John Wayne. He was fantastic type character. He he was fan, uh, just fantastic. It's a John Carpenter movie. Yep. Um, <clears throat> they they were possibly going to make a remake of this thing with The Rock with, with the Rock, no yeah. John Carpenter. What the hell's wrong with them? Um, but at, at the same time, don't make that movie. It 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 really doesn't need a remake. They're never going to match how special no. that movie was. This was this was lightning in a bottle, and you can't you can't capture it again. It's 
Even with The Rock. And I love The Rock. I do There's too. a lot of things he could do. I don't like, think he would do he wouldn't bad do a things disservice. with it. Yeah, yeah. Right, he right. just wouldn't be able to recreate what you, they already had with this movie. Yeah. I don't even know where you'd find hats that big for the the guys. Because, like, do they make those hats still? I no, don't I don't think so. so. I think that would cost them $800 million. You can't, you can't just make those hats. <laughs> you got to find them in a store and buy yeah. them. Yeah. The supernatural element to me, I think, is what's fav- my favorite. Um, I love the Raiden guy, yes. you know, with the, the hat, like, hat that they clearly modeled Raiden after in the Mortal Kombat games. So great. So cool. It has to be the hat. It's the hat. And the electricity, obviously they had ripped that off. Oh yeah. Um, but just how they would kind of, there was just, there was so much lore, like lore that you never even saw with these monsters that you you know they would descend further down into the underworld mm-hmm. and uh you know they'd like there'd be like a dry cleaning place and then they would go through a door and then next thing you know they're like in this underground temple you know like what <laughs> this was behind the dry cleaning place yeah like, the whole time this yeah uh, and is and, and it has a great ending i love how like you I know wanna, i want to rewatch this movie now oh my God, I love that movie. I could watch it anytime. It's just this all of these movies I would could just watch tonight after we record. Yeah, I, you know, Big Trouble Little China is just so damn good. It's Kurt Russell's best movie, and I, I do not say that lightly because I think he's been in a ton, a ton of great movies. This is the, you know, this is like the piece de resistance of all Kurt Russell. Did he, even Captain Ron? You gonna go higher than Captain Ron? God, I spoke a little too soon. You have the I? same name as him. <laughs> I know, I know. And people and would nickname, call me Captain Ron all the time after See? that movie. Yeah, even more than, I, you know. <laughs> but Kurt Russell's volumes. just so damn good. Really and it's, it's funny, too, how like his career really kind of sort of transitioned oddly into action star. And now he's kind of bore more back to kind of like what Kurt Russell is. But in, in the late 80s, Kurt Russell was like probably my favorite. Like action star, he really. I mean, like and him. I love, I love how his relationship with John Carpenter. I mean, just was yeah. Snake, Snake Plissken. And, oh yeah, and, and then of course the, the thing. thing. Yeah, the thing is great. He's been the best in that. I really enjoy him in that. And, he, and and think too, he's like one of the. He came from like a pedigree of like Disney. Yep. Uh, like wholesome Disney movies. Oh yeah. And then bam, he's in the thing. You know. Yeah. He, and and then Escape from New York. It, it, actually, what's really funny is the Fox and the Hound. Yeah. Um, he did the voice of Copper. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Came out the same year as Escape from New York. And Corey Feldman was uh, Copper. Yep. As a, the pup, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because you got um, there were those computer wore tennis shoes and the strongest yes. man in the world. Yes. Computer uh, wore tennis shoes is probably like what a lot of people more or less when, when you see that like there's a John Carpenter movie and Kurt Russell's in it and you're like the kid from the. It's like the, the computer tennis shoes. Yeah, <laughs> this is gonna suck. What? Yeah, he, he is for sure one of those guys. I'm trying to think of who who would be an example of uh, an actor who. Let's see, Mark Wahlberg's like he he wasn't like a Disney kid, but he was a he was for sure like just a you would think no substance you know artist. Ryan the, Gosling. We'll give you Ryan. Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yes, there you go. Boom. Way better than Mark Wahlberg. An actual literal musketeer. Who is one of the great dramatic actors yeah. now. And, and funny too, you know. And can be action star, funny guy. Kurt Russell is Ryan Gosling. Yes. <laughs> They're the same people. They're the same person. Just the same great head of hair on both of those two guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm jealous. Uh, this does what again exactly? 
use buzz. Oh, good. You can see things no one else can see. Do things no one else can do. Real things? As real as Lopin. Hey, what more can a guy ask for? Oh, the six demon bag. Terrific. A six demon bag. Sensational. What's your next pick? Let's see here. I negotiate back to my list. All right. <clears throat> Were you buying Big Trouble in Little China? No, but I kind of, I kind of want to. Now. <laughs> like I want to, like just have it waiting for me when I get yes, out. Yes, um, I, I tell you what, I'm, gonna, I'm going to go with another John Carpenter since we were just on John Carpenter. Um, they live. Roddy Roddy Piper. Such a great movie. <laughs> Such like it's, it's one of those. It's the same kind of like I could watch it anytime. I could sit down and watch They Live anytime. I mean, the, the my favorite. It's such an iconic line too. Is I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Yeah. It's uh, just the... And then the fight sequence with Keith David. Jesus Christ, that thing went on forever. Oh my gosh, it was like a day and <laughs> They a half were really long. beating the hell out of they, each other, it looked like. I love... Keith David, shit, man, <clears throat> I love that guy. I loved that South Park did a shot-for-shot shot remake with Timmy and, and um, Jimmy. Is that what that was? That was. Oh my God, I had no idea. Yes, it was the exact I had no same idea that sequence. was a shot-for-shot. Shot. Yes. And wow. I, I love that. But it's like, that fight sequence was so great between the two of them. It just, just went on and on. They just kept getting on. back yeah, up. It just kept getting back up. It's like, oh my gosh, man. When is this shit going to end? Um, that was great. Uh, and it, it's a cool premise, too, really. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's like an invasion of the body snatchers type deal. And he, he, you could see him if you have the right glasses yep. or whatever. And I love the scene, too, when he puts them on. Because that's that whole scene is he's trying to get him to see. Yep. You know, he's like, put these glasses on. You'll you know? see. Just look yeah. through these glasses. <laughs> like, you, you're, you're frustrated. It's like, why don't you just put the damn just glasses on? Glasses. Just look at this. He'd be over. Do you hate this glass? these glasses so much? Why did, he hates these glasses. <laughs> he hates these cans. <laughs> All comes back to the jerk. You knew I would go there. I love you. It. Set me up. I did. Um, now I have to. I have to confess. I haven't seen all of They Live. It's one of those movies that I have seen most of the good parts via YouTube, but I've never watched the entire movie. It's, it's a. It's a wonderful film. Um, it has a, a hell of a reputation. Is it is a true cult classic. Yes. Um, probably did absolutely nothing in the box office. And uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda made Roddy Piper a star. Like, yeah, why didn't it? I don't. I don't know because he was. I mean, like it's one of those like when you go back and you look at all of the great action stars. I mean, especially. I mean, having Kurt Russell in the mix, you could have yeah. put Kurt Russell in that movie, no problem. Absolutely, yeah. But you know, to go with. Um, I guess they just weren't mining wrestling then. Yeah, not for potential movie stars. And they, I mean, like you know, uh, when you're when you're thinking of, I mean. You go through some of the guys that had any kind of movie career, um, because Hulk Hogan, I mean, even had a few that came out in the eighties. Yeah, but none of them were good. None of them. No, I no. enjoyed No Holds Barred quite a bit. Yeah, and even the what was it, the nanny that he did? Uh, yeah, he did Mr. Nanny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but, and a bunch of garbage. Yeah, <laughs> the Three Ninjas movie. No, but they. I mean, to, for to me. Um, Roddy Piper it is not like I mean, and I wasn't a big wrestling guy, but it's like yeah. he's not one of those iconic. I mean, you have Andre the Giant, the Princess Bride. Yeah, there are some of those guys, Tiny that, Lester. Yeah, some of these guys that had you know just that 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 stretched beyond the world of wrestling yeah. into mainstream pop culture. Um, Sergeant Slaughter, I know from GI Joe. I mean, there's there's guys that spanned that gap, 
And it was one of the things that was always kind of funny to me is Roddy Piper is not one of those guys to me that was like, as somebody who was not into wrestling, I had no, I mean, I would have had no perspective of him. Sure. So it was like... It, it, well, he was the ultimate heel in the wrestling. So may, maybe they had part of the tie-in. is like, what do you do with a person who's like kind of being paid to be hated and he's good at it? Um, but I think wasn't The Rock kind of a heel? I, I don't know. <clears throat> the, the, I was really into wrestling pretty hot and heavy for like a minute in the late 80s. Um, around, I guess, when Roddy Piper was relevant. So I don't know. I know like wrestling took a weird anti-hero kind of turn, and I guess The Rock might have fit into that sort of. Not he wasn't the like take your vitamins and like all American, you yeah. know, playing guitar with American flag waving behind me. That uh, was a little different. But yeah, it was. I'm gonna put that on my list. My list of movies. It's a fantastic film. Yeah, I highly recommend it. And John Carpenter was it? Yeah. Would you say that's the last great John Carpenter movie? Because he has not made a bunch. Yeah. Um, well, he did have the Ghosts of Mart. No, that that was a horrible movie. So no. Ice no. T was in there, right? That was. Um, I think it was uh, Jason Statham was in that. Oh, okay, in never that. mind. Stop. I, I, Ice Cube might have been in it too. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those icy guys. Couldn't get past Jason fellows. Statham. Um, it was bad. It was. I mean, not like Jason Statham has a pattern history of making great choices in the movie he's going to be in, but that was not. I see it kind of like Jonathan Landis, like he was just the thing yeah. for such. I mean, he, he every single year he was making blockbusters. Not maybe not blockbusters necessarily, but just just he was he influential, was reliable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you were going to see a movie because it was a John Carpenter movie, yep. not necessarily you just trusted that it was going to be something great. And uh, that unfortunately stopped. He, yeah, he did. He did stop making good movies for a good while. Because I don't know why, but sometimes I get he and Wes Craven's movies, like their movie catalog, I get them confused sometimes. They, there's there's a good amount of overlap in us, especially like the subject material and yeah. the their style. Um, mm-hmm. They they had a lot of similarities, so that's that's not that's not totally surprising. Yeah, I'm looking here. Did it have that great John Carpenter score that is so famous? Absolutely. Yeah, but it did. In the mouth of madness. In the mouth of madness. Okay, that wasn't terrible. That was that one. It's Sam Neill in it, right? Yeah, that's a that's a. I mean, if you want to be creeped out, that's a good one to be creeped out. It was kind of one of those Village of the Damned kind of movies. Not great. Escape from L.A. Probably. I I honestly skipped that one. I have that one. Yeah, but it's. But I've heard it's not great. It's it's not it's it's a good revisitation of the Snake Plissken character, but it's not. It's not the original. And then Vampires, 1998 oh, at all. Christ. Well, that did have a uh, human sleazeball. Uh, what's, what's his face? Uh, John, John uh, not Woods. James Woods. James Woods. Yeah. And Daniel Baldwin. Daniel Baldwin, hold the phone. Good Lord, who went to see this movie? The crappy Baldwin? Yeah, you're like, oh, you're, I mean, you go Daniel Baldwin, like, was no one else available? The other Baldwin's for sure. Was, like, was he able to get off his shift at Payless Shoes? I don't know how Daniel Baldwin was in this. This is so completely off topic. But anytime you talk about Baldwin's and you were mentioning South Park earlier, I love how the Canadians declared war on the U.S. by nuking the Baldwin's. <laughs> if you're going to do it, that's the way to go. Uh, how dare you destroy the Baldwin's. And they're all there, like on like like Kennedy kind of like you get the whole Baldwin troop. Ugh, Stephen, Billy, everyone Alec. You took them all from us. This no means war. Balls.
I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. So this is a Disney movie, live action Disney movie. Many, many times I watched uh, called Flight of the Navigator. Ooh, good one. Good one. Yeah, uh, that that is a great movie. And um, it's another time travel movie. Uh, I always felt I was so sympathetic towards that character because yeah. he was basically taken from his family. David? I, Davy. Yeah, I Davey. called him David Davy. Um, <clears throat> you know, he had a little brother yep. and the movie starts out. It's in the 60s, I think. And, uh, you know, then, then just something happens 20 years later. You know, he's everyone's old and his little brother's an adult. Uh, but of course, the whole movie is just about the spaceship and uh, the, the Pee Wee Herman voice and the, yep. the, the artificial intelligence, like the sentience of the ship. And uh, I just enjoyed that movie quite a bit. I thought the ship was really cool. Like the scene was, when he sits down in the ship and like it kind of forms around yeah. him uh, and they get the booster and whatever. But that that like way to command a ship. And the way it kind of like moved with him, yeah. When he would kind of sh- like turn, it, I just love that. It's very fluid. It's very fluid. I like that. And the ship when it when they the scene when he finally gets to the ship and it kind of like almost changes shape, <clears throat> turns from like a ball yeah. to this like sleek you know like eagle's head or something. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, and it even had like that pre-Terminator kind of liquidy metal effect yeah. at one point too. Because it didn't really have a door; it had like it would kind of like melt into stairs, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, would, it would kind of form stairs, and then you know go back when he, once he walked up into it. Uh, but I, I love the little creatures that and the puppet yep. creatures, and he had the one that he was his favorite that he kind of sat with him. Yeah, really cute. Uh, and uh, I, I really love that there's a transformer in the movie. <laughs> Because there's a scene where they the scientists have him, and to you know he they take him to his room, and in his room they're trying they they try to put just whatever like a 1980s yeah. boy would enjoy. Yeah. And there were some insecticons in yeah. a box. I was I remember being like so jealous, like oh gosh, I almost kind of wish I was taken for my family. <laughs> I wish the government was conducting experiments on me. Got some free toys. Yeah, but. It, the David character, I won't. Mm. I'd be curious to know what he's been, and he he kind of reminded me of uh, uh, E.T. and uh, Henry um, Thomas. Henry Thomas. He had a strong <clears throat> Henry Thomas resemblance in that movie. The biggest difference there is I did not hate this kid. <laughs> you did not hate the Henry Thomas kid. Yeah, I hated uh, Henry Thomas. But yeah, I did not hate. No, this, this kid. kid was totally fine. Totally fine. And uh, I think that those Navigator ships too. Like one of them is on a backlot tour. At Disney still, if I'm not mistaken, I remember reading a bit of trivia about that. Like you, you can actually like do a Google satellite image. Wow! And and see one of because I think there were two or three that they made. Like they actually made these big ships, and it's it's just sort of sadly on a back lot. It's, it's not having any love given to it. Once again, Disney is mistreating their '80s properties. And there was only one flight of the Navigator. There was never a cartoon or any merchandise, but it totally could have. Uh, the kid, Joey Kramer, he yep. was in two episodes of Murder, She Wrote. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, he was in a TV movie called Stone Fox, mm. replayed Willie. Willie, uh, yeah. I didn't see that. And then he was uncredited as a party guest in the 1996 movie. So nothing. It's my party. No. So he's done nothing since nothing. then. That's a shame. He was a good little actor in that. He, he really was. 
he he reminded me of uh what's his face from um daryl and uh uh never ending story that kid oh okay the, okay the the two of them to me are very synonymous yeah. as far as their yeah totally their capability. I can see that. daryl that was a good movie um it's young sarah jessica parker uh was in flight of the navigator as well was she, she really <clears throat> was she she was like that little um yeah, her, I could kind of see that in my mind. She was when he was in the government facility. She was yes. like his little um, kind of helped handler. him escape yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. That's so cool. I, that's a movie that I need to rewatch because I haven't seen it in so it's, long. It's been a while. Yeah, you know, it played on the Disney Channel ad nauseum, like constantly. Yeah. Uh, you know, for for the better part of like five years, I'd saw it a hundred times. Yeah. and you're kind of good after that. Uh, but I, you know, I love it. I loved seeing it when it would play on cable, and uh, would have loved to have seen that in the theaters. The last one was probably a bit too young to get out there. It was it was a solid flick. I, I enjoyed it. I, mean, I think I don't I don't know if I own it or not. That would be that's a it would be a good Rad Dads pick. You're right. That would I be may have to good. save that one for a future yeah. Rad Dads. I could see like kids still relating to that. Yeah, you know. But it, it is kind of a sad movie. But it it has a fairly happy ending. I I don't remember his parents actually being dead. No, I don't think they were just really old, and they missed. He missed out on twenty years, and he because he he gets back to him. He does. He he does get back to him. That's true. Yeah. That's so true. they they have the happy ending. They yeah. They didn't do the Disney thing and kill off his parents. That was really frightening too, because like it was like a really dangerous yeah, like pers- like maneuver they had to to do to get back in time. Yeah. I remember like being really frightened by that because it's like, like stormy clouds. They weren't and, like, sure lightning. if it was gonna work. No, they didn't think it was gonna work. So anyway. How come Starsky and Hutch isn't on? That show was canceled a long time ago. That was my favorite show. What's this stuff? You've never seen a music video before? Uh Uh-uh. I've been gone for eight years. Gone where? Outer space? Could be. What's your next pick? That was a good call there. Um, Let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna go um, with the uh, I'm gonna go with the Naked Gun. Oh yes, the start of that, or the return of the name. You know, uh, Leslie Nielsen. Yes. uh, Well, what were the guys? The the brothers. The um, is it Zucker? Zucker. Zucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, Airplane obviously was a phenomenon in the in 1980. Um, Yeah, I think so. And, you know, they, they were kind of, they were the creators of this type yeah. of humor, really. Um, the, the whole, like, a million gags a second. Oh, it, Leslie Nielsen is Frank Drebin in uh, Police Squad, and then when they brought it to the TV, and or brought it to the silver screen in uh, Naked Gun, was just yeah. Nordberg. O.J. <laughs> Simpson is Nordberg. I love that they would, that it, was, it was all dramatic actors from the 70s and, and before. Yeah. Just deadpan. Just totally That's all dead. it was. Yeah, Nordberg was kind of like you know, O.J. Simpson and Trigger Alert. Uh, was really good as in those movies. Just playing like the, hat, like the guy who's getting abused, more or less. <laughs> I love when he's like in the wheelchair. No, 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 that wasn't. That was the villain. That was the villain. Oh, yeah, Ricardo Montalban? Yeah. <laughs> that whole scene where he does the flip over the edge, and then the that would have been enough. But the fact that the marching band comes along, it's like a truck runs him over and then like a steamroller. And you're like, oh my God, there's nothing else. He's just like, da, 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 da. <laughs> just all Such marching a, over top of him. 
<laughs> the just, timing of that movie is great. I, I love when Nordberg gets all beat up at the very beginning and he's in the hospital and they come to visit him. <laughs> he steps on him or like leans into his <laughs> groin or whatever. <laughs> I, I love you too, Nordberg. <laughs> and he's he's trying to tell him about the drugs. Yes. And he's like, heroin. It's like, oh, that's kind of a tall order, Nordberg. Uh, you might have to give me a day or two. <laughs> delivery oh, so good. So fantastic. Yeah. Um, that that's a great movie. One I watched a ton of times. I love the whole because um, because because Priscilla Ann Presley. Yep. She could have possibly had a really good career, but yeah, didn't. Um, but she was perfect in that role. Yeah. It, you know, maybe she wasn't necessarily. It's, it, I guess Leslie Nielsen was so good as Frank Drebin. He's he could carry probably any actress almost involved yeah. in that movie. It, it's probably giving her a little too much credit to say she had anything to do with how funny that movie was, but she she did a good job with her lines. You know, like uh, I I can't see a ladder that that leads up to books without going nice beaver, yeah. <laughs> and then she hands the beaver down to him. <laughs> just the, I just had it stuffed. The writing is just so. I mean, like. Because I think that's one of those things that gets taken for granted is the fact yeah. that like it's it's just, it seems like this really simple, stupid, funny, mm-hmm. but like the writing that has to go into that and the timing and the delivery and yes. all is like it's all in the delivery. It's I mean it's so well crafted and yeah. it's just it's what's frustrating to me is like they've like with like epic movie and disaster movie and date movie and yeah. scare all, all the ones where they really just kind of like. Leaned on the parody aspect. They bastardized this whole yeah. formula that these guys, the Zucker boys, came up with. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it, like... Because he's like the nephew of one of them, isn't he? Or I something think like that? Something like that. Yeah. But he, it, whatever. It just, I mean, Naked Gun, to me, was is one of them. Like, uh, they did three of them. The second and third were... I enjoyed them all. They were all fantastic. Yeah. The first one was just, uh, was always going to shine as just the best. The first one is a true classic. Yeah. And it wasn't the first of its kind, but it was from the people who made those yeah. movies. And uh, I don't did, yeah, they did Top Gun, Top Secret too. So like, yeah, it was Airplane, Airplane Two, which is funny, but not as good. Not as good. They yeah. just kind of did it again, and then <clears throat> Top Secret and uh, Naked Gun. That, yep. That's the that's the trifecta: Airplane, Top Secret, Naked Gun. Yep. Just stop right there. Yep. Enjoy the sequels if you like, but that first one. Oh my God! When when he and Priscilla Presley are kind of doing that, like ah, something tells yeah. me I'm in it. I love at the very end they actually splash like music video. <laughs> he does like the the kick. Great, such a great movie. Now there's so many things I want to go home and watch tonight. Now. Reggie Jackson, that must kill the queen. <laughs> oh my God, the scene! I'm remembering parts of the movie I love. The baseball, the whole baseball the, yeah. scene is phenomenal. With where he, he kind of takes the place of the referee, yeah. but then he also takes the place of the opera the guy. Opera, yeah, yeah, the opera singer. <laughs> they're like, why is he the ump? I don't get. It. <laughs> but I love how he he plays with that role as the ump. Like you know, throw the pitch, strike. <laughs> <laughs> but then he, great, then he gets, gets more so and more into it. Stride. Like, <laughs> he does like a little dance maneuver. <laughs> oh, the ball players are so annoyed with him throughout the whole <clears throat> sequence. I watched Dracula Dead and Loving It today. And it was just, it was like, I love little reminders. Like, oh, Leslie Nielsen was so fantastic. Yeah. But he was better used in Always Serious. Like when he started mugging and doing goofy faces yeah. for the camera, I think it got lost a bit. Spy Hard and uh, Spy Hard was okay. It was okay, but it was it was really. It has like, a weird Al Yankovic song in it, which is good. It was it was one of those where like they were, they had gotten a little lazy. That's where I, Spy Hard was when they started leaning hard on the parodies, yeah. right? 
So and those brothers didn't stick together. They they did split up, and that's yeah. probably when they did. Like, oh gosh, because there was Kentucky Fried Movie, yep. and that was another part of like so add Kentucky Fried Movie to it. So you got Kentucky Fried Movie, Airplane, uh, Top Secret, Top and Naked Gun. Naked Gun, yeah. Good pick, man. Good pick. How about dinner? I know this little out of the way place that serves great Viking food. That's quite a tempting offer, Lieutenant. But I'm afraid I'm going to have to get my rest this evening. Tomorrow being Arbor Day and all. Of course. Well, perhaps some other time. How about a rain check? Well, let's just stick to dinner. Uh, for my next movie is featuring... You know what? It always made me mad that there was never any merchandise for this movie because it would have cleaned up. Short Circuit. Ooh, Johnny Five. Johnny Five. I would have killed for a little Johnny Five robot. Which, ironically enough, part of the plot of the second movie was Fisher Stevens' Fisher character Stevens. like selling the little robots. Yep. Like they even made little models for the movie. You telling me they couldn't have mass, you know, manufactured I, even those little models? I love that they made him Indian. Or some variation of Indian. I was just yeah, like, and there's really? a lot of there's a lot of that post, you know, like going back twenty years, thirty years, judging a, uh, an actor because he's very not Indian, but he did genuinely try to make a, 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 a like a heartfelt attempt to yes. at least be Indian. I think I think he moved to India and and <clears throat> lived with Indian uh, an Indian family, trying to get some of you know to make it feel to a little bit more authentic. Get, yeah. But so the jokes, it, I mean, it, it became like Apu, really. Yeah. Apu kind of was born from the Fisher Stevens uh, character, which he's really funny. And the Goot. I love the Goot in this movie. It's one of the better Goot movies. Yes. Um, now, was it Ali Sheedy? Ali Sheedy was, she, yep. Just adorable. She was, yeah. This was, because that was one of the movies, I mean, she had been in a number of things. She's coming off of um, Breakfast Club, right <laughs> yeah. off the Breakfast Club. And it was, it was nice to see her in... It was like it, it was almost like if you took the alley Sheedy from the end of the Breakfast Club. Well, she wasn't a weirdo in this. Movie. Yeah, that was she was she was kind of like that girl next door. Yeah, just, her only her only like weird thing, if you want to say, is she was just obsessed with taking in animals. Yeah, she couldn't say no to any animals, like animals everywhere. Um, but yeah, she I, she kind of seemed like the girl next door. Yeah. Like I don't think she ever really got to play that very much. No, she up until that point. Yeah, she was always the eccentric girl. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a great movie about a little robot that comes to life after being struck by lightning and it, it oh, and it's got the, uh, I didn't really even think of this, but it's kind of got that police academy reunion with the Sarge. Oh yeah. He's kind of in charge of the team, the militant side of the company that has in charge of finding Johnny and bringing him back. But, um, Johnny, he really, he does come alive. Yep. And that whole, the whole thing is all like puppetry. You know, yeah, and I think there was some radio control aspects to it as well. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the scene where Johnny has to take on all the other robots who were not alive, and he's like reprogramming them to be like three stooges. And <clears throat> you know, you're hey, laser lips, your mother was a snowblower. That made me laugh so hard as a little kid, it's making it. me laugh right now. <laughs> there were, there were so many good, fun parts because like, it was, it was one of those where Johnny Five was such a likable character, and it was. Because it, it, it was, I mean, that was a that was kind of a big staple in the eighties. Is like it was funny because you have Steve Gutenberg and you have Ali Sheedy. I mean, you have big names in the movie, yeah, yeah. and yet you have this kind of this third star, which steals a lot of those lines. It really does steal the movie, and it's just this. It's a robot. It was like it, it could. I mean, in Alf, it was a 
puppet alien. It was like it was just there yeah. was always that was one of those things from the eighties. But like, it was real TV. Yeah. Like they they did a good job bringing it to life. Yep. Um, and gosh, the voice of uh, Johnny Five. He is the oh yeah, he's the pug from the mission. Uh, the Men in Black movies. Yep. Same voice. You can picture that little pug talking. And but I don't think really much of anything else. I don't think that guy's done much of anything else. Such a such a great character. And that's I, a great resume still. I'll give him that. Resume. Oh, for sure. It's not nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. And I guarantee he's got other lots. He's probably got a lot of other voice work credits to his name. He's probably very successful. And I just don't know his name. But you don't know a lot of voice actors' names. No. You know, like you think of a couple like Frank Welker, Peter Cullen, <laughs> you know. Pamela Adlon. There you go. Dot. Love it. Um, but yeah, Short Circuit is a, another one of those movies that I watched over and over and over because of cable. Um, very iconic uh, poster where Johnny's getting struck by lightning, struck by lightning. and uh, you know has a happy ending. Uh, he he's able to fake his death, which satisfies the you know the militant government. And like I don't think they were government; they were just like a private company yeah. that just did not want to see their property out there. You know, potentially getting taken from them, and and, and you know them not making it'd money. be doggone it if the Russians were to get their hands exactly. on Johnny Five, it'd be all over. All those Russians. But he was also like a really cool design. Yes. Like I like the the laser cannon, you know, like whenever they would kind of go to shoot, the, their eyes would turn he, red. And he was very he was very expressive too. Yes, with that the was, eyebrows yeah. and stuff. Like they did a great job puppeting that the character. That was it was really phenomenal. Yep. Good stuff. Error. Grasshopper disassemble. Reassemble. Huh? Reassemble. I can't reassemble him. You squashed him. He's dead. Dead? Right. Dead as a doornail. All right. That's my, uh, that was mine. What about you? All right. So we've got two. We're down to two. We're coming down the stretch. Yeah. Last, All right. Let's final see two picks for both of us. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to go. Cause the, these, these are definitively different than the rest of my other picks, I would say at this point. So I'm going to go with probably the greatest Jean-Claude Van Damme movie of all time. <laughs> Bloodsport. Kumate. 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 Frank Dukes. <laughs> a real lot is a true story to him. Yes. Yeah. According to him, I should and say. And he was very instrumental <laughs> in making sure they did his story the right way. <laughs> very authentic. Yes, it was totally is a biopic of of the ages. And but John Claude Van Damme. He uh, he was fantastic. Yep. Oh my gosh. It was because it's it's one of those like I I remember as a kid because I didn't see it in eighty eight. But it's when I was like, as a kid, it would have been on TBS or TNT or something. Yeah, oh like that. yeah, a lot. And I watched it with my dad. Oh, and the muscles from Brussels. Yes. And oh, it's just it, like I still like John Claude Van Damme. I feel like he he really got disposed of unfairly. I think I mean, and I like how he's come because he had that show on Amazon, um, and he had the JCVD movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. I, and he I, was in one of the uh, uh, Expendables. Expendables, movies, Expendables yeah. too. Right. And I, I th- what I like is, I mean, he he's in that place where I, I think, I mean, I I feel comfortable letting him coast indefinitely off of his, you know, the films that he made in the '80s and the '90s. Yeah, for for a moment, mm-hmm. for a, for about three or four years, he was in a blockbuster oh, every he was, summer. He was, I mean, he was in all kinds of great stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's when I was like, it was. It really, I mean, they were the kind of movies that really didn't matter what the plot was. 
You just wanted to watch Jean-Claude Van Damme. Just to see people. him kick somebody. He's like, go kick and some show people. off those buns. Yep, <laughs> for the ladies. Yep, just <laughs> kicking. He, he had yeah, he those, had to work in the splits somewhere. He had those Chuck Norris jeans where you could kick people and the jeans wouldn't split. <laughs> um, Way more talented though than Chuck Norris, as yeah. far as an actor goes. Like he, and I mean the the accent as strong as it yes. was. Yeah. And then you, I mean that that final fight with him and Chun Li. And he gets in his eyes, that that look, that crazy. Oh, that's oh. a that is a that is a one of the best, like cartoon villains come to oh. life ever. He was just like I love I love I mean I can picture it in my head vividly that when he's got his eyes so wide he's just like oh. yeah oh yeah yeah and he starts kicking the crap out of him and then he he channels his inner master and, yeah and then he's like and then he just has that moment where he blocks something like yes and he's like oh. I love those great like slow motion like John Va- John Claude Van Damme screams like ADR oh. in. Oh. <laughs> he's so expressive in that. Yes. It was so great. I love the scene where he's kind of his his master takes him to the bar to celebrate, and he's like kind of drunken and like flirting with the girls, and then like he antagonizes a lot of the bar drunks, like the bar toughs, into like getting into a fight with him, and he just kicks their ass drunk. That was so just- good. And he's the entire time he's fighting, he's fighting for his buddy that got his his the American guy. I forget the big biker. Lyle. What's his face? Uh, yeah, who he was? Uh, wasn't he uh, Ogre from the yes, Revenge of the Nerds? Of the Nerds. Yep. And he was really good in that too. He was. He Actually, was. He was a lot more than just going. Nerds. Yeah. <laughs> he was. He was. He was a good. He was a good sidekick, um, and a motivator for uh, for Frank. Um, but yeah, it was. It's just. It's such. I mean, when you think Jean-Claude Van Damme, to me, is like, that's straight. It's Bloodsport, for blood sure. Sport. Um, and it, it also is like the prototypical, like, blueprint for all fighting games that like, yep. came in the 90s. Um, you know, and, and the movie is like a video game where you're fighting yep. the, the next boss, getting to the next boss. Every one of the fighters has a distinct style. Uh, I really enjoyed the guy who would come at you like this, and he was like more of a kickboxer type guy. guy. Yeah, he was a monkey guy. The little monkey guy, Mm. for sure. Um, But the final, like, those pecs on that last guy's. Was there ever any more smooth? Like, did he even have nipples? I don't think he did. I don't believe he did. I think he he was created in a laboratory somewhere. (laughs) He's a great final character. I think Sony or Samsung just created him. I feel like he had, like, little tiny arms. Like, he was just nothing but muscle. And he was just, he was, again, the eyes. Everybody's eyes were so expressive. Yeah, he had to do, he had to be expressive with the eyes because he probably couldn't act with a damn. No. But he could look menacing. He looked very menacing. Very menacing. (laughs) If there was a a menace that was greater than Dennis, it is Chun-Li from... Someone more iconic as a menace, Chun-Li from Bloodsport. It's a good pick, man. I, I don't think a lot of people necessarily would think 1988 and jump to Bloodsport, but that's uh, that's a good one. I couldn't pass And that. for sure, something I discovered late night on USA or something. Like exactly. That. What did you call me? You want me to spell it out for you? Leave the girl alone. He's the American shithead who makes tricks with bricks. Guess the Kumite starts one day earlier this year, huh, fellas? Look, guys, let's all no. just calm down, okay? Moving on to my next. Do it. Uh, let's see, what do I have left? I have two pretty good ones left. Okay, so my next movie is more has more puppets in it. It's a Jim Henson uh, joint, and it stars David Bowie, and it's called Labyrinth. 
and it had my my crush, my absolute crush in that movie. Uh, a little puppet guy? No, was, not him. Gimli? Oh. <laughs> why can't Jennifer Connelly? Oh, oh my god! Oh, that's I was right. She was in it too. Wasn't in love with Jennifer Connelly. Absolutely head over heels in love with Jennifer Connelly. And she was kind of that like babysitter. Well, she was a babysitter yes. in the movie. She was like that girl that you would just wish would be your babysitter. Yes. Because I mean, she was very cute then, but she became very gorgeous. And like to this day is just ungodly beautiful. Um, but it's all about the puppets. And again, you know, like it takes you, like it's just, it's it's this wonderful adventure you go on. It was. Starts out in this maze with this like cute little worm. And it just takes you from adventure to adventure to adventure. It's just set piece after set piece. And I'm sad that that movie didn't do any better than it did. Because the, Jim Henson was really swinging for the fences back then in the 80s. Uh, high concept, like, you know, Dark Crystal and, and Labyrinth. And the, I guess Labyrinth might have been it. I think that was their last gasp, really, until they started making more Muppet movies, I guess. Um, but David Bowie was amazing as the Goblin King. It, it really made you think that at any given time, David Bowie could steal one of your children. <laughs> With that cod piece. Yeah, I mean, he was just like, <laughs> no one's children were safe anymore. Like, David Bowie could sneak into your house anytime he wanted. Yeah, with his little... steal your children. His his uh, band of, of Muppet demon followers. He might be stealing a child right now. I guarantee you that in the afterlife he is. Just stealing children. Probably. At least we still have Bowie. What was that from? Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2, yes. Yes, we still have Bowie. <laughs> yeah. Still have Bowie. Um, it's, it's another potential Rad Dads for the future. Yes, um, Really, Really cute characters. The, the little dog that rode a dog. Uh, the the one, the, the big... Trust up as a knight or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, had like a, he was a knightly character. And there was like Pluto, I think, was the one that was just would just say smells bad. Like there was that bog of the eternal stench that was just yes. farts. It yes. was just farts. It was farts. Its whole existence was to fart and yep. make funny farting noises, which is hilarious to me. How as a do kid. we work farts into this? Well, this is how we'll create. It'll just be buttholes opening. Yeah. Like it's just that's all it is. And uh, but I I love that whole get up. Uh, very creepy. And uh, yeah. the, the the birds that could exchange body parts. Yep. Um, you, you had mentioned scenes like from the scene from Dumbo in the past, kind of like, like, I wonder how they're going to do that. Like in the, in the new movie and it's in that, that scene is in the movie okay. and not in a way you would expect, but, um, uh, th- this is another one of those types of scenes was like, it kind of warp you as a kid almost. If you yeah. watch it, if you're at the wrong age and you're watching, you know, them exchanging body parts and like, it's weird. And like the song is good and catchy. So there's that going for them. Uh, but yeah, the music is another great thing. Like I, got, I can, you know, I'll, I'll occasionally put on Spotify, like you know, you got Bowie, use them. Dance Magic Dance is an awesome song. Yeah, why, why not, man? Put the, put the Goblin King to work, stealing babies and writing songs. <laughs> now, have you seen this movie all that many times? Uh, Labyrinth. I mean, I've probably seen it between five and ten times in my life. Oh, okay, so yeah, good, good I've, number of times. I've, I've seen it enough to remember. Probably the sweeping parts, some of the specifics. They were so inventive with that movie. Like I, I, the scene where they had all the hands yeah. forming faces. Yep. And that one, like, just because they're holding her and they're dro- they end up dropping or whatever. Yep. But yeah, I love the that whole scene. It was great. Just great. It, I miss practical effects and the puppetry and all that stuff so much. We 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 lose a lot. You know, it, there's a lot of cool stuff that we've gained with CGI and this yeah. and that. But there's just, for sure there's some of those things I. 
Um, in in a similar note, I recently re, uh, recently watched the new Mary Poppins movie, Mary oh, Poppins yeah. Return. Like, really, I would gladly plug that one. It was I thought it was fantastic. It was on it was on a sh- nearly made my cut for best. Of last yeah, year. it was it was a great movie. But I, I was I was reading um, uh, the trivia on it, and uh, the director um, fought for um, hand drawn animation, like in the original. Good. Because it fits, it, <clears throat> it it matches the originals. Yeah, and it's 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 one of those things. Like, there's some of those, some of that kind of aesthetic where you're like, yes, we have all this technology. Yes, it does some really great things, but there is a simplicity to some of these practical, old school things that, you know, those kinds of those are the things that make some of those kinds of moments. It's hard to beat hand drawn, but it's so expensive. Yeah, uh, that's obviously that's why they went away from it. And you know, like, see, they've gotten to the point now where, like, like Pixar is just, you know, like, you don't really need hand drawn. Yeah. It's like they're even beautiful now in their yeah. own way. Uh, but it, it's cool to know that those those are hand drawn. Yeah, you could tell. You can definitely tell. Is that that cool? And you know, you're you said I I was watching that movie and uh, and like I it, it's like I'm watching something I haven't seen in a very long yes. time. And I just attributed it possibly just being a Mary Poppins movie. And I was just in the moment of it being very a very. Um, uh, respectful Mary Poppins movie, you know, like it, it, it felt like, I mean, I know that's not Julie Andrews, but, uh, it, it was good. And I bought her as Mary Poppins. She refused to be in it. They wanted her for a cameo. Julie Andrews. Really? She said, no, this is Emily's show. And that's because they were going to, I think they were going to use So that was the reasoning behind it. Yeah. They were like, she, they came to Julie Andrews and she said, no, I won't be in this. Thank God they got Angela Lansbury. That she, she was actually the original, um, the, they, Walt Disney wanted Julie Andrews for the first one, and she was pregnant, and so they pushed production back. Really? Um, for the first Mary Poppins, and the same thing happened. Emily Blunt was pro- was pregnant when they wanted to make it, so they pushed production back on Mary Poppins. They're like, here we go again. It worked for us the last time. And Angela Lansbury, she was, I guess, their second choice for um, Mary Poppins, so it was just kind of fitting that they used her as the balloon lady at the end. Yeah, because she had nothing to do with the first movie. No. But she's but, I mean, but that Disney connection though. Angela Lansbury is just fantastic. How would you not? Why would you not have Angela Lansbury? She could just hang out at movie sets. And I, like, she do would, you need an old British woman? Who's if lovely? she would come hang out at my house with me, I would be like, hey, let's. What do you want? Should we? Angela, we could make room for you on the podcast. You could sit right in between us. I'll it scooch. might be a little warm. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of heat being generated on the friction. You won't get chilly. I can <laughs> promise you that. Oh God, Laura! I'm so happy she's still alive. Yes. Wonderful, still and just sing her little song with her balloon. She's wonderful. So cute. Oh my God! Ah, what is it? The bog of eternal stands. And there isn't anything like it. It's like, like. Okay. All right. Uh, next this, up, this is, this is, is your final. Is this your final? We're down to the final one. The final. It's <clears throat> the final countdown. All right. And I, so this My is. Little buttercup. <laughs> we should we should plot out that dance sometime. Yeah, and, that's good. We're gonna we're gonna put that at that. the end. Be sure and watch the video for that. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, this, because Paul Rudd's one of my favorites, I wanted to tease and make my uh, my number one. He's fifty now. Is He's he turned fifty? Fifty. Wow. He does not strike me as fifty. Oh, no. Which not I enjoy. He's a young fifty. He's a great man. Yeah. Um, but in Paul Rudd fashion, I I wanted my number one 
to be Mac and me. It's not. <laughs> it's kind of, I was, I was the old like Conan joke. I won my honorable mention. I was like, I was gonna say Mac <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like, but Mac and me, horrible oh, movie. Oh, my Unwatchable. Gosh. That now. might be the worst movie of 1988. Yes. Oh, just a so terrible bad. McDonald's commercial. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I hate E.T. <sighs> and Mac and me is like the worst ripoff of a movie I already hate. Oh my gosh, just the everything about that. The only redeeming quality of that movie is when the kid in the wheelchair just goes careening down <laughs> the side of a And mountain. of course they use that clip oh. on Conan anytime Paul Rudd's on oh, the show to plug oh. a thing. I the, the the reason I wanted to mention it was so that if there's a chance that we we could we could use that clip there. But you know, we do have our own Paul Rudd. We do have. A kid in a wheelchair rolling we, down. We do. Babe, wait! Babe! Babe, wait! Babe! 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 Babe, wait! Babe, no! Babe, no! Babe, no! Babe! <laughs> well, we're going to work it in every babe, single episode. Babe! So good. <laughs> so glad you put that there. That's the best. That I wasn't gonna. I was not gonna not put that in there because you you were you were leading me there. Oh. You were leading me out to pasture and I took See, a bite. That is a, that is what we like to call an alley oop <laughs> in this business. Is that allowed? Set it up. That's and, a foul, right? <laughs> and he slam dunked it like Michael Jordan does in what Space Jam. I'm your Scotty Pippen. No, I think that makes me. I'm Scotty Pippen. You're Michael Jordan because you dunked it. Okay, gotcha. Or maybe Scotty could dunk too. Maybe I'm Luke Longley. <laughs> I'm probably you're for sure Horace Grant. I probably have more of the physique of Luke Longley. I'm don't the, don't the, insult yourself. The pigmentation of a Luke. Maybe Tony Kukoc. Maybe I'll settle there. Bill I Cartwright. Can't, I can't shoot a three to save my life though. Steve Kerr. I'm Steve Kerr, head coach of the uh, Golden State Warriors. Yeah, but he's was a guy just collecting rings in Chicago. Anyways, I digress. Welcome back to 1990s yes. NBA talk. This is, all, this is always what we do. We just suckered you in with movies. Ah, and now we're going to talk about basketball. Two from hours the 90s. into the podcast, we finally got you right where we wanted you. <laughs> basketball from the 90s. Steve Kerr, what are your thoughts? Oh, Carl Malone, John Stockman. Ooh, yes. It the, all goes back to Space Jam, you see. The, the mailman, Carl Malone. Yes. Um, so, number one movie. Number one. Number one movie of 1988. Biggest, biggest. Greatest, the greatest of, of 88 for Adam. greatest of 88, probably one of the greatest movies of all time. Okay, John McClane, Nakatomi Plaza. Oh, die hard, yeah. Whoo, hey, there's that you know, it's part of our intro song. It is come out to the coast, have a few laughs. <clears throat> Damn it, Bruce Willis, the pride of Long Island. Is it the pride of pride of Jersey? What's what are they um, calling it? Someone's proud of him. <laughs> Someone's proud Somewhere of him. Somewhere in, in the northeastern area yes. is he's being he's being proud. Yes. Now. Someone's very proud. His mother, I guess. His whole family. No, but what is it? I, I can't remember. It's it's not the pride of Long Island. Hell, I don't know. Sorry. I I should edit that out, but I won't. I'm no. just gonna like let you guys watch We're me raw. struggle with that. It's like that. good podcasting right there. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> it's Bruno, baby. <laughs> Entertain yourself while I look this up. No, uh, uh, 
Die Hard is one of those films. It's it only its legacy grew over time. I feel like it was a huge blockbuster. That's for sure. But how uh, how somebody like Bruce Willis could become like the world's biggest action star is unbelievable. Because he was, you know, of course, known for uh, moonlighting. That was his big thing. And he was in some movies, but he was a failing movie star. Like, he just hadn't been in anything uh, other than Blind Date, which was a pretty fun movie for me, co-starring John Larroquette and Kim Basinger. Yes. Ba- Basinger? Ba- Basinger? Basinger. Yeah. Basinger. <laughs> How do you say that? How do you? Um, but, I mean, just, who was the, was it, uh, t- well, the director? I can't think of his name, but he did John also Kearney. Predator. Yeah. Man, as, that is the quintessential Christmas movie. Oh, it was. I mean, I just watched again, uh, and it is a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. I don't, don't even what don't even say. front. Don't be that. No pineapples on pizza, though. Don't be that guy. Don't be that. It's <laughs> it doesn't look good on you. No, trust it's me. It's a bad look. Um, uh, it's one of one of my favorite. I couldn't find it, by the way. Uh, that's okay. That's fine. Um, someone like you said, someone proud of them. Someone, someone is proud of him. And when he's not being a dick to Kevin Smith, I'm we're, a huge fan of. We're his. proud of him. Yeah, we are. Um. Um, but uh, one of my favorite of all time TV swearing edits too. I just yippee ki yay, yippee ki yay, Mr. Falcon, Mr. Falcon, <laughs> yippee ki yay, Mr. Falcon. I will let you if you haven't seen the movie. I will let you try and figure out what profanity they would have used that would start with an M and an F. I'll let you fill in. You can Google it if you like. That's one of my favorite lost arts in movies nowadays. No, they, that was just a thing. If you had a movie edited for television, they would always try to camouflage it with some safe word. Yeah, they weren't just going to bleep it out. They Sometimes gonna... they were quite good, but that was one of the examples of like they should have just left it alone. Any nowadays, they would just either bleep like leave it out or beep it. Yeah. Um, or you know, like most cable channels are just going to play it now. Yeah, I don't. Like, I don't I, know. There's a lot of censoring in that respect anymore. That that is a lost art. The oh. the purification of R-rated movies. And especially like when they couldn't get the original actor to come back in and dub their lines. Which was never, right? I mean, did anyone ever come back in and dub their, like, made for it? Maybe they did. Some people may have, but, like, it it would just go to audio, like, this is clearly not the same person saying something that makes no sense. I was a dumb kid. Like, in my mind, how I thought it worked was, because, you know, you'd see Die Hard a lot, like, in your, your local affiliate I would just imagine that somebody in the like station would do it. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was like a version that everybody used. So in my head, like the Yippie Kaye Mr. Falcon, like I thought maybe other areas had different versions of it. I, I thought I literally thought that. I thought that they would we have the movie, we bought it with swear words and all, but we can't air it until Jim in accounting comes on over. <laughs> Jim, get over here. You sound a little bit like Bruce Willis under duress. We would like for you to say this. Why would Mr. someone Falcon? say Mr. I, Falcon? Why, what's, why would I say that? Is he talking to a pet Just bird? shut up. It makes sense. Do it. It's the same syllables and the same letters. Okay, Jim? <laughs> what would you do? You're so smart. You're so good. We can numbers get Kevin from counting And your pencils and your papers. You go back over there to your calculator and we'll, we'll get Jerry <laughs> from sanitation yeah. down here. Jerry will do it. Jerry and that's, won't that was Jerry. Us. In fact, that was Jerry. That was Jerry. Jerry came. He came over and freaking nailed it. One take. <laughs> One take, Jerry. One take, Jerry. Uh, sorry. 
that's a different Jerry. That's a different Jerry. Uh, you know, we didn't. We didn't. Uh, we'll have to call Jerry in the next. We'll episode. have to see what Jerry's up yeah, to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd love to know what Jerry's thoughts on the Die Hard would be. They're probably pretty good. Um, yeah, Die Hard, man. What, can, what else can you say about that? Sh- crap. Oh, it's <laughs> fantastic. Are we allowed to swear? Do we swear we, on this podcast? Yeah, you know, there was a part of me that really just wanted to say the unedited yippee ki <laughs> just because. I'll say it. yippee ki mother falcon. <sighs> oh! Damn it! Damn it. <laughs> it's edited. Still edited. I can't not say it now. I want that. Still edited. Hans Gruber, man. <gasps> the greatest movie villain ever. The greatest German terrorist with a British accent. Ever. Ever. <laughs> and the and the dude, the other dude from Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, God. The Was black it... guy. And then oh, okay. uh, um, uh, Argyle, the uh, the limo driver. Yeah. He yeah. was fantastic. The, the the techie guy, though. I loved him. He was oh. the comic relief. He and was... the quarterback is toast. You didn't bring <laughs> me here for my winning personality. Yes, we did. Great. Absolutely. Um, and then Sergeant Al Powell. Oh. Reginald Vell Johnson. Yes. I, I would... Solidifying him as the all-time greatest <gasps> dad slash cop. I have recently acquired my pop vinyls of John McClane and Al Powell. Really? And I was so, because they just came out with them. Probably Further more. proving that they will make a pop vinyl of everything. Oh, and I will probably buy most of them. There's I, one of me and you probably. Have I it. have <laughs> far too. Like when people look at these and like, these were like $10 each. Right? I was like, don't do the math on how much I've spent. Okay, please. Just stop it. I see you working it in your head. I have so little in life. Let me have these <laughs> it's, little pieces. It's a real, of the problem is it's easy math to do it in your head. It is easy math. Yeah. But I, you know, and some of them I've spent more than $10 and it bothers <laughs> me probably. Man, look around in my room. Don't yeah. feel bad about yourself at all. I got toys that are still in the boxes. They, even got, they don't even have any place to live. I'm going to have to put up shelving all over the place. I need more shelving for my toys. Yes. We're grown men. We're yeah. awesome. <laughs> We're rad dads. What we Excellent! <laughs> all right. Anything else to say about Die Hard? It's the greatest action movie of all time. Hell yeah, it is. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. Okay, so for my final movie... At one point or another in my life, it was hands down my favorite movie of all time. I guarantee you it's the movie I've seen the most. I've probably seen this movie a hundred times. I'm not kidding. And maybe for you, that's not all that impressive of a feat. Uh, but but it's, it is for me. Like I, I don't typically go nuts with movies. That, you know, I, I, seek, I sought, seek, sought this movie out. I sought this movie out, bought it, and watched it many, 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 many times. And... Um, kind of in a non there's nothing to brag of but i i, I kind of idolize this guy but anyways not beating around the bush uh ferris bueller oh. <laughs> ferris bueller's day off my favorite movie from 1986 that is one of my all-time favorite movies to this day it is without a doubt matthew broderick's best movie he this is the yeah. anti-matthew broderick i i thought after this movie that every movie he was ever going to be in he was going to be ferris ferris he is not Ferris ever again, and, but he's so good at it. Yeah. Uh, the characters, Sloane, the girlfriend. Sloan Peterson. Rooney, the principal. Jeffrey Jones. Cameron, 
the best friend who gets him into all kinds of trouble, kicking like just dragging him along the entire time. But he needs it. He was almost forty when he did that. Wasn't yes, he? yes, he was playing he a was, high school student. He was, he was, he looked very young for his age, and uh, I think that was Rock. a constant concern for him during yes. the casting. Of, like John Hughes um, was not sure he was making a good decision, and he later would pop up and stuff like mostly TV shows. Um, gray hair. <laughs> Alan, Alan Ruck is. I mean, anytime I see Alan Ruck, I'm just yeah. like, this is going to be good because I love Alan Ruck. Pardon my French. But you're an asshole. <laughs> He's so good in that movie. He kind of is the best part of the movie, really. Um, you know, as as playing like what what would it be like to be the best friend of a person like Ferris Bueller? It has to be really, really hard. Well, I mean, think think about I mean how many of Ferris's little tricks and this like. He's, it's not, not by any means that Ferris does not have his own bag of tricks, yeah. but how many things are dependent upon Cameron doing or being, or, you know, it's like, it, it's such a complimentary relationship and yes. it works so well. And I think Ferris really, truly believes that he's helping out Cameron yeah. and, you know, and it, the whole, it all culminates to like the kicking of the Ferrari out the, yep. out the window and destroying it and him being okay with it. And I'm thinking... Every time I see that scene, I'm like, you're going to freaking die. Your dad is going to kill you. Yes. Why are you okay with this? And in and, and Ferris, when, like, when it seems like he and, and Fry are both like, <gasps> you know, that's like, oh, my God, we have to get Cam out of here. Yeah. We got to move him to another country. But he's like, I'm going to own this. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to own. It, it, it was, but it was, it, it really fit. And it was, it was such a great part of the ending because I mean for for a movie that was just supposed to be this funny goofy okay Ferris is taking the day like it, it gave it some depth to where this character has really and, and I think I mean between Ferris and Cameron and um, Ferris's sister yeah Shauna uh, I think Jeannie 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 yeah, yeah. Um, I think you like that's one of the things I think a lot of times can be overlooked is yeah. there's genuine character development and growth that those those characters have that's you know, that I think makes it, you know, because it's, it's one of those, it's from the, especially from the eighties, such a uh, quintessential teen movie. Yeah. I was like, it, it gives quintessential teen eighties parents. Yeah. Good oh Lord. my gosh. <laughs> and you know what? They're, they were married in real life. Oh, you know, I feel like I read that at one point, yeah. but yeah, that, that, I mean, it works. They yeah. work so well. Yeah. I mean, that's a great, great. Uh, and I don't, I can't remember. I knew I used to know a boatload of trivia from this movie, but I can't remember if they were married before or if they got married after this. But they that would they, be even better if it was because they they got married yeah. after. Like yeah, yeah. we met on the set of Ferris Bueller and got married, and we became your '80s parents yeah. for life. Uh, but yeah, the relationship between Jeannie and Ferris is great. It does have a good arc, and I would often oftentimes think like they were probably like the bestest of friends as little kids, and but then Jeannie just you know she was the older sibling, I think a little bit older. She just couldn't stand that he got away with everything. He yep. was, you know, the parents they they for sure favored Ferris. Yep. You know, he they ate up everything that he was serving, kind of like you know, and asked for seconds. Yep. Um, and he was just beloved by everybody, and it's got to be hard as a teenager, you know. And she she kind of took on that like bad girl kind yeah. of pain in the ass to the you know to the faculty in the school, and uh, but yeah, she came around at the end. And stuck it to Rooney and like, you know, actually took up for Ferris. And that, I love that arc. Oh, it was Ed. Thanks to Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Straighten her out. It's drugs. That's the only <laughs> thing that Charlie Sheen has ever straightened out, I think. 
everything. Like he actually made the situation better and not worse. He didn't give her anything, thankfully. <clears throat> no, no, nothing was transmitted that I could tell. Sometimes he could give you something with just a stare. airborne. Yeah, there's th- he has things that are airborne <laughs> that like science hasn't even understood yet. I love Charlie in that scene though. He's like cracking the knuckles. Yeah. He just looks like he's just had just the roughest yeah. night. And drugs. I'm asking you if you have any drugs. <laughs> Eddie McClurg in that movie too. Yeah, I, I the sure. gosh, every every Wisconsinite's mother. I would imagine is that Wisconsinite? Is that what you would I, say? Wisconsin. Wisconsinian, Wisconsinian. <laughs> what is it? I, I think you could go with either. Either, I feel okay. Like... But I mean, she, you know, she, she, she was that exact character in a lot of oh. stuff. She played it so well. I mean, like John. I mean, like she was. He makes you look like an ass. <laughs> I, I love, I love when she's going through the list. Oh all yeah, different zipper heads, dweebos. <laughs> they, they, they call him a. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> she was so great. She was right on, and just uh, she was such, uh, such a. Uh, I don't even know what the right word is. Just this, this things quality. rolled off of her. Like yes. she could have been a target and something you'd make fun of, but she she never was a she never was a target of ridicule in that movie. No, not at all. And even when uh, Jeffrey Jones, when he like when he would, I mean, like try and yell at her, it's like yeah. it was. She, it, it wasn't that she was oblivious to it. It was almost like she just didn't accept it. Like, yeah, yeah, you're the principal and I'm the admin, but eh, screw yeah. you. They, they were they were fantastic. Yeah, together. they worked off one another. But Jeffrey Jones, I mean, it's it's the best thing he's ever been involved with. And you know, yeah, I know he, was, he turned out to be a pedophile and all that. Um, but whoops, whoopsie. <laughs> uh, but who isn't these days, right? <laughs> As it turns out. There's a lot of them running around that we didn't know about. Yeah, there's a website, I think. Yeah, they have some websites. You can go out there and you can put in your zip. Maybe I'll put a link to them. Find out who. Um, but uh, I was obsessed with the Yellow song, Oh Yeah. I I was on a mission for the longest time. trying Because how do you... You know, it used to be back in the day. I'm an old man. Back in the day, you would go to a record store and you try to hum something from the song. But... That song, the Oh Yeah song, is just, oh yeah. It's like all it is with a few chicka chickas and a bow bow thrown in. So I felt like for years, and keep in mind too, this, uh, I was doing this a few years after the movie was out. So like I'm in like a Sam Goody in 1988 going like, it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> and it goes, oh yeah. <laughs> True, honest to God, other people are getting appetite for destruction, and I'm looking for the oh yeah song. You're like, was it the Kool Aid Man? <laughs> oh yeah. No, no, not that. Fuck the Kool Aid guy. I'm talking different. about oh yeah, <laughs> chicka chicka. You know, Ferris Bueller, and uh, no, nobody knew because it was Yellow. This this band called Yellow, and that's all they ever did or known. And I'm sure it's not all they ever did, but it's all anybody knows. That's them for. all anybody knows them for. And and then you know like and then. Years later, they would be in Twix commercials. Twix. <laughs> Twix. But uh, I, I still really enjoy that song. And you get the whole song at the end. When I, I really, really enjoy when a movie doesn't just close on credits. Yes. You know, you got the whole scene where he's like walking along and he's, he's totally defeated. And the bus driver picks him up and he's got to take a seat with the kids. And they're just playing that song the whole time. And Ferris Bueller had your, one of your first ever... There it is. It's right there on my phone. Those there. Is that, is that yellow right there? Yes. 
yellow. The gentleman with oh, yeah. the, the mustache right there. and Those those dudes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you're, you're one of your first, that I can think of, stingers, where Ferris comes out in the town. He's like, you're still here? Like, that is, I don't know if that had ever been done before. And, of course, there was a tribute to it, obviously. Fantastically done by Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. And he comes out, he's still got the mask on and everything, but he's got the towel over his head. But the rules, the lick your palms, you know, you know, and I love that that's like the like last straw. Like, I know it's a bit childish, but just lean over and lick your palms. <laughs> Matthew Broderick is so wonderful. This I love movie. when he covers up the camera. Yeah. <laughs> Such a mess, I confess. Yeah, and the whole the whole scene and show like that that movie was filmed in Chicago too. That is such a Chicago movie. Yes. And I love I mean, John Hughes anyway. Abe Froman. The Sausage King. You're the Sausage King. <laughs> I love it. He has to roll with it. <laughs> uh, and they use that Cameron voice quite a bit too. Yes. Like as as um Ferris's dad and also as the Sausage King. Uh, I love all Ferris was always just one step ahead, and yep. that's just what it was. And they even had a TV show that later on, starring Jennifer Aniston, actually. What was it? And it was sucked. It sucked. It was not good. Yeah, it was like one season. That's but nice. then Parker Lewis Can't Lose came out, and that was actually really fun. Which was pretty much the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. Just, it was It was actually like more in the spirit of Ferris Bueller. It, it, it felt like that. So, yeah, Ferris Bueller, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. The movie I've seen the most, I mean, it's not even close. I have not seen, and I've, I've watched a lot of movies, probably in the 20s to 30s, easily. That movie, though, easily 100 times. Yeah. What? Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. What? Asshole! Uh, you're absolutely right, sir. You've hit the nail right in the head. Find out where she is. This isn't over yet, Buster. Do you read me? Uh, loud and clear, Mr. Peterson. Call me sir, God damn it! Yes, yes, yes sir, yes sir. That's better. Well, you just mind your P's and Q's, Buster, and remember who you're dealing with. Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Cool. It's worthy of it. Uh, so that was our favorite year. Yes. Um, and uh, I think we picked some really good ones. 88, like I said, was the one that I'd considered. I went all the way back to 1986 because um, I can't remember if I'd mentioned it before, but that that was really the year that I was binging movies a lot. Yeah. And it's because I had just gotten HBO, and a lot of these movies are just playing on HBO all the time. The home box office. Home box. Da, na, 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 na. I love that they still have that too. Like when they'll do like whenever they premiere a movie on Friday night or whatever it is they do it, they'll do that whole song. Yes. Awesome stuff. Okay. Um, so that was that segment. We're going to end it on a what? You haven't seen that? <laughs> I really enjoyed the last one we did when I had watched Tootsie and you had watched uh, Dr. Strangelove. Yes. And I have been compiling a massive list of movies that uh, I just have, for one reason or another, have never seen. Maybe maybe it wasn't shown on cable a whole lot or uh, maybe it just didn't look interesting. Maybe I was too young uh, at the time. I don't know. For whatever reason. One reason or another. A ton of movies got by me. And these are classic movies. I, I'm trying to like keep them to like what most would consider to be a classic. For one, it could be a cult classic. It doesn't have to be a movie that was award-worthy necessarily, but really important to a certain group of, of fans. Yes. Um, so I guess I'll go ahead and go, reveal go mine it. first. So my, my, what? You haven't seen that? Is uh, a little movie called Willow. 
1988. Mad Mardigan and uh, uh, Keon, not Keanu Reeves, uh, Val Kilmer and uh, Wicked. Yes. <laughs> to, uh, just uh, to be perfectly honest, when you when you were saying we should do like that was literally one of the movies I've never actually sat down and watched Willow. Get out. That was I in this room tonight. I was thinking like Willow. Should I do Willow? That's so funny. Yeah, this is just one that I picked from. Like I have a list of at least fifty by now, and I'm like, what do I do? What do I want to do? What do I want to do? I want to watch Willow. I want to have an excuse to watch Willow. And uh, so you know, it was a Ron Howard movie. Um, you know, of course he stepped in and finished the solo movie, but. Before that, he he had been in the Lucasverse. Uh, it was a Lucasfilm. Um, but it was kind of a disappointment, I feel like. I don't think it was a movie that did as they'd hoped. And, but it wasn't for a lack of marketing. Like That movie was everywhere. Uh, I feel like they had a McDonald's marketing push. And, you know, I, I remember seeing it just everywhere. And it was also one of the first movies, I think, that was really on the cutting edge of using CG. Like, yeah. There was a couple of early CG movies that, you know, like, you know, you think of the big stepping stones for CG movies. Like, I think T2 is kind of the big one. Yeah. And uh, the same te- the same type of technology that they'd use for the, the liquid Terminator. I think there were some scenes that I remember watching a documentary. I was, like, I was so huge into Terminator 2. They'd show scenes of Willow just so they, you know, like, well, you know, all these scenes in this movie? Well, this is not the first time they've done it. They did also did it in this movie. So uh, that's one of the things I know it for. And I'm sure the CG is awful. I'm sure it's just god-awful. Uh, but I love Val Kilmer. And I really like Lucas. And uh, I've always heard the Mag Mardigan character is a really funny, fun character. Not funny, but fun. He's a really fun character. So um, I'll be happy to report on that next time we uh, get together for a show. Uh, what's your pick? I, because um, I've, been, I've been on a little bit of a Dustin Hoffman kick. I watched Marathon Man the other day. Um, yeah. There were several Dustin Hoffman movies that I realized I've got to go with seen. Dustin Hoffman. Got to go with Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> um, and so I think probably one of his more it's it's I just looked it up uh, just because I was I wanted to make sure I had everything square away. But uh, Midnight Cowboy, nineteen sixty nine. I've not seen it. <clears throat> it's uh, it's one of those like I, I don't know if you could necessarily say it's his best, but I think it's one of his more iconic ones that yeah I've, yeah, I've yeah never for sure I've never seen heard of it for sure so i I'm, does that have dennis hopper in it too um or i'm thinking of uh i think it's john voight okay john voight okay yeah john voight um i'm gonna double check make sure yeah um dustin hoffman was like a huge huge movie star in yeah. the 70s and uh primarily i guess the 70s and into the 80s you know movies like kramer versus kramer yeah. and such uh, but I really enjoyed watching Tootsie, like for my last. What you haven't seen that? Um, I, I really enjoyed him, you know. And uh, it's kind of a shame that he's not really a thing anymore, ever. Yeah, you don't um, see him as much anymore. No, you sure don't. And I, I don't know why. I, I still need to watch that Adam Sandler. Uh, the Meyerowitz. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he's in that. It was that. good. It was good. Okay, yeah. So that that might have been like really the last movie of note that he was in, because he played the father. Yep. And Ben Stiller. And it was and good. Actually. Yeah. Ben Stiller, Adam Sandler, and. Uh, forget who the daughter was but yeah i i enjoyed that one cool uh so we'll be talking about that to lead off with our next episode we'll try and be a little more time <laughs> we'll not leave you hanging for like a month we know you were chomping at the bit yes i feel like we said that the last episode that we were sorry for like leaving you chomping at the bit just salivating like, we just yeah. like to we just like to provoke 
that kind of response but we want for you to be that hungry for us i'm still going to refer to us as the rick and morty of podcasts yes we, sh- we should get our own mr poopy butthole yeah. we should have a little animated character oh it's gonna be forever since we see till, <laughs> till we see you guys again i'll probably have a long white santa claus beard and yeah. the next time you see adam he may have different facial configuration hair like his hair could be in a different it could spot. be could be. A, I'm, I'm going to push for mutton chops. I could have a Nike well. check on the side. <laughs> or a dollar sign. We need both. sponsors. If you're a sponsor and yeah. you would like to pay us money, you shave we'll someone? shave your logo into yeah. Adam's beard. Oh, we will totally do that. Mm-hmm. We'll do that for you. Yes. For a good price. The Lifetime Network. Whatever your logo is, <laughs> I will shave the Lifetime Television Network into the side of my head or my facial hair. I'm fine with that. Well, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. This has been uh, the Cinemasters of the Universe. And uh, we'll see you next time. Mitchell, drive home safe. Please. Please be safe. Let us know you're okay. Send a text. A postcard. A handwritten calligraphy letter. Whatever it takes. It doesn't have to be calligraphy. It, it does. Be it doesn't Just be. make it nice and cursive. Learn calligraphy. <laughs> and send me a letter. Do that now. With a fancy stamp.